Hey guys, just want to let you know that this was all made possible and we're sponsored by MTG Matchmaker. If you ever try to get a spell table game going, can't find enough players, whether it's on the Playway Discord or any other various webcam MTG discords out there, you know, try MTG Matchmaker. It's the first crossplay server webcam matchmaking Discord bot, and it's a 100% free tool. It queues players across all installed Discord servers so you can keep your Discord community, but you can still connect with players from others. Originally, it was designed for just EDH, but they've expanded into other popular formats, including our beloved Pioneer and Modern. To learn more, you can go on their Twitter at MTG Matchmaker, or you could also join their Discord, which we have available in the description below. memeing a bit for a while because there was a joke that like um that i could sound more like a like a youtuber or whatever i remember who made the fucking joke so i started being a bit more animated with it i'm like hello everyone welcome to another edition of the pioneer perspective as always slap that motherfucking like button subscribe hit the bell so you can be alerted whenever a new episode comes out oh and by the way this episode is bo- uh, sponsored by manscaped if you want to get the lawn trimmer <laughs> 2.0 and make sure that your nuts are in perfect hands at all times as they will be later for your wonderful woman in your life go ahead and type in high perspective <laughs> in the bar checkout on manscaped.com and you will get the lawn trimmer 2.0 for 10 percent off your order and of course we'll throw in a free shea butter package <laughs> on top of that as well and you can go ahead and make sure that your balls are christened and smooth for the woman in your life and let's get to the episode all right so look i, I watch way too much youtube and- <laughs> the first time i heard manscape as an ad i was so surprised because i was like this is what you buy audible get an audiobook or skillshare learn something and then i was randomly it was this ad i think it's like bellular for uh, world of warcraft content it was like do you want clean balls and i was like what the fuck yeah i mean i, I love how they, they're like so like right up like yeah we're talking about your balls dude clean them yeah please please, please. i mean there are I, my favorite insult is like when people are like, I'm not going to let a dude with an unwashed ass talk back to me. Like whenever someone says someone <laughs> with an unwashed ass and I'm like, you know what? Look, there's truth to that. You, We've all met someone that, you know, clearly when they get to the shower, everything below the belt is like, eh, water will get it. They have that mindset. You know, they have that fucking mindset <laughs> and there's zero hygiene whatsoever. And it's, and look, I'm sorry to say this. But those are the people that don't get laid, right? If you don't fucking take care of your own hygiene, you're not going to get fucked. Please wash your ass. Alex, wash your ass, please. <laughs> <laughs> but we are the... So if there's anything to take away from this episode... <laughs> uh, let's go to manscaped.com and put in Pio Perspective at checkout, and then we can get 10% off your order. Uh, by the way, we're not sponsored by Manscaped, but hey, hey, Manscaped, if you're listening to this uh, and you heard that fucking phenomenal i mean ad read i just did i mean maybe they i don't know if they get like this registered on their website if now like a hundred people go there and try and type bio perspective into their promo thing and nothing happens hey actually yeah all of our viewers and uh, listeners can you please go to manscaped.com uh, go to checkout something and then type in that c- uh, promo code bio perspective and then close your checkout if we get like 400 people to do that uh that'd be fucking insane because i think i'd get an email be like who the fuck are you <laughs> <laughs> 
Uh, we talk about magic and uh, other random things, and uh, pretty much the majority of our listener base has a, a you know balls in some way according to our spotify has something that yeah no okay has something manscapable okay for real though we're that we're not getting the sponsorship now because what i'm about to say uh the um the lawnmower sucks lawnmower sucks i've used it it sucks it's not good it's not great all right ruined us now most trimmers suck yeah most trimmers suck let's be real most trimmers are not made for your balls anything in that area all right i'm here to talk magic so i'm gonna make this drift away from from this conversation because we do actually have a couple of things to talk about so we obviously had like our we just discovered our most listened to episode is our welcome to pioneer episode uh, which we did recently which was really cool um it's really cool to know that like we're almost a year in and that like it wasn't everyone's like oh it's novel cool i'll listen but we actually maintained that listenership that's really awesome so thanks everybody but that episode is about two hours long so obviously you could send that to someone who is interested in pioneer but if you need to like sort of tickle their interest a little bit more to start and have them something a little bit more digestible um dom harvey of star city games wrote the article pioneer is the best format you aren't playing and it is a really good article it starts off with just like Sort of the general way that, like, we talked about it with, like, hey, you know, why why Pioneers in this popular, what went wrong, blah, 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 pandemic, etc. And it just, like, very cleanly puts it. It's just a really good take. Um, I was planning to read it out, but I actually won't. Just go and look up the article, you know? Get 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 Dom and Star City Games, the, like, v- the clicks, where they see a Pioneer article and it gets a lot of clicks that might get them to be more interested in the future. Uh, but good take, then talks about some some cool decks yes we'll put the link there i also re- i also made a twitter post about it because it was just it was just a really good article me too i retweeted it uh i know crew three retweeted it Pi- uh the first pioneers retweeted it um yeah i i've seen it float around a lot it's really nice good for them and and other star city games related pioneer news um we are a little bit behind on our publishing schedule so i think this would have already been live but then you could watch the fall on youtube um Corey Baumeister said he's going to try and get them to play Pioneer on Versus Live again for a time. So that's going to be cool. Hey, maybe they could just use all the decks from... What about they just use all the decks from Dom Harvey's article? That'd be really cool. Put those up against each other. It's mostly Spice, so it would be a really cool showcase. But like Spice, but not like bad Spice, but like Jeskai Ascendancy that showed up in the challenges and just be like, hey, look at how cool this deck is. I mean, I think my favorite thing about Versus Live, it's the way Ross places cards on the table always tickles me because he does that really when he's thinking he does that thing where he's holding his hand and he very slowly places the card on the table but he always does the little snap to like snap the card onto the table and then he goes right back and he does it again it's just so it's like okay ross i need you to do asmr magic where you're playing a game in paper and you just do that no 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 because because that implies that he does the thing. He would have to, otherwise it wouldn't be picked up, right? Magic cards, you're supposed to put them down quietly. Because if you don't put them down quietly, that means you're damaging your cards. I've seen people who like, they sort of like, they do like what a lot of people do with poker. Where they have the card, they put it on the table, and they sort of dig their thumb into it, and it sort of just like flips onto the table. And I've seen people do that with cards, but then halfway through they start thinking about their decision, and they're just holding a card that is currently in Pringle shape, pressed onto a table. 
And I have literally told people, like, please don't do that. <laughs> Just in the middle of the match, you do that. This is making my eyes hurt, please. You are literally damaging your cards. Because some people that do that, and you watch them shuffle their deck, and it is like they're shuffling a stack of Pringles. And I'm like, oh, yeah, they, they fucking. How do you treat your cards like this? Like, I, I cannot bridge shuffle. All my cards. An actual deck. I can't. Are. No, I, I I can't. I'm really terrible at shuffling an actual deck of cards. So like, if I'm playing like poker at friends. Oh no no, it's 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 not it's not a thing of I can't like I can't isn't like it hurts me to do so. I'm very good at bridge shuffling and I love bridge shuffling, but I cannot do it with magic cards because oh it no, I'm pains me. I am. Oh yeah, no, I I I can see that. But I just I'm really bad at shuffling cards that aren't sleeved. Like shuffling sleeved cards is so much easier. If I'm if I'm playing limited, like I I. I did I tell you about the bunch of limited decks I made for um, the summer camp for Magic? I think you did, but yeah. So you made a bunch of like simple I, decks. I, I took, yeah, I took, yeah, I took Guilds of Ravnica and I did like a bunch of the guilds. So I did like a, a Demir deck, a Selesnya deck, Boros. Um, there's a Gate deck in there too. But those are not sleeved because they're all penny cards. So I bridge shuffle those. I bridge shuffle the fuck out of those um, because like I don't care. They're just unsleeved, like not worth anything cards because it's just bulk. And like, I'm letting children play with them, Alex. Don't give me that look. I'm letting children play with them. They're going to be destroyed in one way or another. Fair enough. That's why I don't bring my actual decks, because like, kids will like bend the cards. Because I, I, I bring Werewolf to school. And we're, oh, dude, we should do, <gasps> we should do a bonus episode where we get all of our friends on. We play Werewolf. Werewolf live stream. Oh, my God. Oh, my God. Oh, my God. Yes. Yes. <laughs> Let's do it. Uh, it's not as good digitally, um, like over webcam and shit. It's doable, um, but like, you just have a group chat, and then you individually send like the card to like people's DMs or whatever in a private DM as the moderator. That's doable. But anyway, I'm getting off topic, but I bring Werewolf to school, and like they fucking destroy those cards. Like I'm like, I'm like at least this this was only twenty dollars to to buy the set. Bringing a five hundred dollar Magic deck does not tickle my fancy with children no. <laughs> to destroy the uh, to destroy my cards. So we're, we don't we won't do that. Anyway, so. Star City Games, at least, seems to have remembered Pioneer. Now, speaking of a magic, uh, a pretty big entity in Magic the Gathering, being Wizards of the Coast, um, who seems a little bit more forgetful about Pioneer, announced basically the reason why they didn't have time for Pioneer. Um, when they announced that Pioneer, Horizon, uh, Pioneer Master Set was being delayed on Arena, they mentioned that they have a lot of like work to do, and the example they gave is, like, because the roll 20 mechanic, a uh, roll a d20 mechanic, was, like, really hard to implement digitally, which makes no sense to me because it doesn't even have an animation properly. It just pops up as, like, what you rolled, and there's not even a special animation for when you roll in that 20. It has a special animation, now. Yeah, but, I mean, like, all the dice are the same. So it just... Oh, yeah. I don't it, think it, there's a special one for you roll a d20. When you roll on that twenty, at least it didn't look like it. I haven't rolled one yet, but like I've I've rolled it in limited and like um, it, a bunch of like random dice like roll over your screen and then one big dice pops up with the number you got. Oh, may maybe I don't know. I, I I thought I saw it that it was less here, but anyway, it's like a recurring one. Anyway, whatever. What I was going on about. But the first thing, but the first thing they teach you in programming is like randomized number generator. It's random number generation. Yeah. Yeah, Brookman mentioned that too. It's a bit weird, anyway, but. Without going off topic too much already, they were busy on making magic cards work in ways that magic cards don't work. Announcing Historic Horizons, a 782 card set coming to Arena that features cards that cannot be played digitally, 
because uh, cannot be played physically because they literally couldn't be played physically. Like these cards give keywords to cards in your hand. They make cards appear out of thin air, which sadly isn't possible in real life. Otherwise, I would have a lot of commander decks. Um, but and like every pioneer deck, but granted, Brad even has that one, so maybe Brad can make cards appear out of thin air. Um, <laughs> I go to the store and I walk out and I have all these cards. It's magic. Anyway, I do not give a rat's ass about talking about these individual cards. Like, I really don't care. This is Hearthstone. I stopped playing Hearthstone a long time ago because the game was frustrating. And a lot of these cards say the word random on them because, of course, they do. So I don't give a crap. But what I am excited for, the most exciting thing about this, is that it kills this stupid argument that people uh, make who play neither format that are like, why shouldn't Pioneer just become historic? Or why shouldn't we just merge the two and just have muxes in your Pioneer decks? It's like, no. And without now, you could just say, you physically can't. And a stupid discussion ends. Which, to me, is the most exciting thing about all of this. Because it also prevents Watsi from making the mistake of actually doing that. So it, in a way, is like some sense of security for Pioneer in the future because it's not going to be gobbled up by Historic. And aside from that, again, this is Hearthstone. Um, if you want a game that is actually designed for your phone, don't download Magic Arena, just download Hearthstone. Um, I don't know, I just cannot get myself to care. Uh, I dropped this in a group chat with a bunch of friends and literally all of them said, all right, guess I'm just never playing Arena again. Like, I already had little to no interest and two of them literally were like, okay, cool, and then they uninstalled it immediately. So they can't make the mistake of opening it. Yeah, this is definitely... Like, I... In, before... Before... um, What was the most recent? The, before the, uh, the... Not the anthologies, the Mystical Archive came out. I thoroughly enjoyed playing Historic um, because it was, you know, similar to a traditional Eternal format, just with some curated cards thrown in with the anthologies. And then when the um, Archive came out, I was like, okay, well, I mean, that this really fucking shook up the format a lot, but, you know, it's whatever. And then now they're doing this, like, everything that they add into Historic is further pushing me away from the format because, like, it's... It just, it feels artificial and it feels like it's worse than like the, the pseudo rotation we talked about with modern horizons. It's worse. Like it's, they're literally rotating historic every two months. I mean, for, for me, the main thing is, is that what I'm looking for in a digital way to play magic is a simulation of what this game is like in real life. Now, MTGO is actually better at that than Arena. It is more of a simulation of how it actually works because it's a lot less visually appealing. But mainly Arena is just magic that I could play in paper, but it's a little bit flashy and it's online, so I could do it without trousers on, right? Which, by the way, don't do that with an actual magic game. But now that just, like, it doesn't even scratch that itch. So I, th I think it, it's a logical step um now that this is a digital thing it makes sense 
to lean into the abilities that digital provides. I just hate it. But I also like it, again, because it thoroughly disconnects historic from other paper formats, from actual paper formats. And one paper format in particular is, you know, Pioneer. So, like, let's look at the silver lining of this. I may not like this. You may not like it. I mean, there's some cool things, like there's, like, S percentile and shit. Whatever. Cool. However. I mean, I don't even play historic, so the fact that it disconnects it is, like, fine for me, because now I'm less bothered by this format I hate playing anyway. But the big thing is that this is very good for Pioneer because now, like you said, it has eliminated with the addition of 31 or 32 cards that are not paper available. They're digitally exclusive and they do things in the digital environment that are not possible in paper eliminates for good the idea of Historic ever being a paper format, the merging of Pioneer and Historic. And this actually paves the way for Pioneer to take the place it always was designed to and being that immediate first step into an eternal format post-standard and before modern. This is great news for Pioneer. Yeah, it, it, it definitely is. It's just not great news if you're a historic player. Yeah, probably. fuck historic. I mean, Adrian sent me uh, this originally. He's like, every time there's historic news, he always just goes, God, I fucking hate historic. I hate this format so much. Like he just, he'll, he's like, I just play standard. I will just play standard instead. I have no interest. Historic just drives me fucking insane. And like, if Adrian has that feeling, I mean, he is a, he is an arena player. Imagine how much of that sentiment is shared with player base across. And like, okay, how much of Historic's player base is existing for the sole purpose and the sole fact that it is the only place to play with your old cards, not in standard on arena? It's the reason I play it. So like, yeah, right. It's I I still occasionally log in and do my dailies. I'm not as rigorous around it anymore because I kind of just do it when I'm like really bored and there's a new Diablo three season. So I am no longer bored um, when I want to do something simple. And then it's like, yeah, cool. I can play my Merfolk deck. It's not very good, but you can the things rigged anyway. So it puts me up against other bad decks. So I actually have a chance. You can play Coco in your Merfolk deck. Yeah, it's literally the Ixalan deck with Coco. Yeah. And like two other cards and i put glass pool mimic in because i only have one lord so now i've got eight hmm and it's a coco board nice yeah the only like downside it. is you can't hit it together with a lord near coco because it has to copy a card as it enters anyway um so let's talk about actual pioneer cards and actual pioneer decks so luckily both challenges fired again this well luckily but like thankfully i guess both challenges fired again this weekend, so we have things to talk about. Now, we obviously don't have the um, huge level of innovation that we saw last week because, well, we've had Adventures in the Forgotten Realms now uh, for a couple weeks, so the obvious decks are out. There's some new stuff, uh, so I guess we'll just quickly go over the challenges, not as thoroughly as last time, where we basically talked about every deck from um, first card in the list to last card in the list, because we do have some other things to talk about and also we know most of these decks by now so saturday challenge won by mono black aggro then we see demir control randomly featuring jace and liliana the last hope a few more creatures stuff um Silimgar's command which is an interesting answer to book of exalted deeds because it says counter uh, return target permanent to its owner's hand so it's actual boomerang rather than like non-land permanent bounce which we've seen more 
And it's also an instant, so it's cool with Torrential Gearhawk. Um, and this is a theme we're going to see throughout all these decks, so we could talk about it a little bit now. People are starting to prepare for Book of Exalted Deeds. And we see that reflected in its metagame, its like share in these challenges. Obviously, very small sample size. But we see way fewer copies of this than we did last week. Because now this deck, now it has a Selimgar's Command, and it's got three Field of Ruin. So together with uh, Torrential Gearhawk slash Jace Friends Prodigy to flashback to Selimgar's Command, it effectively has five answers to up to four copies of this combo. So it is no, it can no longer be locked out of the game by this combo. If the game goes on for that long, which Demir Control versus Book of Exalted needs, it probably will. Fun. Um, yeah. I mean, you could probably deal with this pretty easy. It's even, <laughs> it's running a Mutavolt itself, this Demir deck. I'll show you how to win a game with Mutavolt. Demir's just going to pivot into Soul Ties. We're going to run uh, Assassin's Trophy. Just splash green. Yeah. I mean, you, you could even do that. Um, it's not wouldn't be the first time we see Soul Tie control instead of uh, Demir. I mean, yeah, bring back the Soul Tie. But that was often for... The bring Delight into Valky. I mean, that was often for Wilderness Reclamation. Oh, yeah. Also. Oh, yeah, we also had the, the one with Valky mm -hmm. uh, more recently. Let's bring that one back. So... Um, then we've got Enigmatic Fires. Also some interesting um, stuff showing up in this deck. Um, or is that in this one? Yeah, yeah. So an interesting win condition that has been uh, used in this deck is that it's running one copy of Golos Tireless Pilgrim. And this Golos will search up Hall of the Storm Giants as a win condition because it just makes one of your lands the potential to be a 7-7. So it adds a pretty reasonable like win condition to this deck that it can just search up with Golos and that like survives like artifact why uh, enchantment wipes that sort of thing. So it's a little bit more it's like a little bit of a different access to attack on, which I thought was interesting. Um, the else running some portable holes, which I think we didn't saw it do last week. Um, not much else to particularly shake things up. Only three copies of Fire of Invention, which is interesting because you can now search it up with Moonblast Cleric, so you effectively have more copies of it. So I suppose they felt like they could do a trim there. Yeah, makes sense. This deck is still a nightmare to play. Uh, yeah. Uh, dodge me with playing that deck. Uh, then we see Blue-Eyed Blink, which is a deck that we already saw a bit last week. Um, just value Blink cards. There's... A playset of Yorion, one being your companion, three in the deck. Two Agent of Treachery, which you will just cast. Um, there's Arcanist Owl, uh, which we all remember from the uh, Mono White Devotion days with Heliod, where I could tutor up either piece of the combo. Uh, well, tutor up a dig for. Uh, Nyctho Shrine to Nyx is in the deck, so you can, you can kind of cheat your way to this agent, right? You're very regular, probably not tapping seven lands for it, but you are actually spending seven mana on it. Yeah, and then what you expect? The Book of Exalted Deeds combo is in there. Elspeth conquers death. Um, bunch of elite guard mage, Skyclave apparition, Knight of the White Orchid, Charming Prince, Blink shenanigans, uh, Band spirits. Well, I suppose we all know what this deck does by now. Um, then there is a Book of Exalted Deeds deck, but it's it is the this was already talked about last week, right? Yeah, the one with the Thalia's um, Lancers and the Search for Glory. The Yeah, yep. yeah. 
Yup, yup, yup. With the three priests of ancient lore. This is just a mono white legends deck. Kind of funny because this is definitely a deck you're not prepared enough for with some sweepers and a few field of ruins. This deck will completely mess you up if you do this just that. Oh no, my Mutavolt is gone. Casts Ugin. <laughs> like, so I, I like this deck a lot. This deck is sweet. Yeah. I'm very happy to see this deck show up again. Even runs a field of ruin itself. Uh, Dan, Celestia, Book of Exalted Deeds. Um that we would expect. I wonder why it's not running... I wonder why it's not running um, Wolf of the Night Orchid. Or Night of the Wolf Orchid or whatever. The, the new dog. Which one? Instead of in the, the Mono White, instead of running the Night of the White Orchid, why it's not running the uh, the dog from D&D? I mean, Night is a better card. It's too devotion for Nick, though, so you don't really care about the card costing cost being harder, and it's got First Strike. Did did forget about the uh, Nick Thos thing. Forgot this deck played it. It's running one. One Nykthos. True, but it, it is it is more devotion, but I think you care more about the first strike. It's just a much better blocker. True. Um, where the dog is a better attacker. Because it's a, I think it's a three mana, a two mana, three one Vigilance. I'm correct? Believe yeah. it as Vigilance. Uh, yeah, I know it's three one. Anyway, so three one, three power, better attacker. Uh, this is clearly not an aggro deck. No aggro deck runs Emrakul. Um, I'm sure there's an exception to that. We can, we can turbo Emrakul turn two. Could you imagine? Imagine a two-turn Emrakul? I know it would not be... Well, huh. Tybalt's Trickery. How on earth do you turn two Emrakul? Oh, Tybalt's Trickery. Tybalt's Trickery, yeah. Oh, God. Please, no. Well, it actually would have... I mean, yeah, because you, you, you do, like, Tormod's Crypt for, like, a zero, and then you counter with Tybalt's, and then... But then you might hit Torm uh, Tormod's Crypt. Uh, what's another... It's a zero-mana spell. It's not a permanent. Moxamber. It's not a oh, permanent. It's also permanent. There are no zero. All of them are permanents. There's no zero mana spell that isn't a permanent. Yeah, there is. I mean, there's gut shot and stuff, but that's not legal in this. Well, world. there's. I mean, there's technically like pact of whatevers. Yeah, but the pacts aren't pioneer legal either, right? I, I know. I'm just thinking in general like how you can do a zero mana. But you could do turn three. Oh yeah, Molly, you can like you can like gut gut shot your opponent. Yeah, and then... You just you just go you just do turn three, Emrakul. That's good enough. Sure. Isn't. Isn't the what's tricky that has to be the same time? No, no, no. Okay, whatever. Um, I'm being distracted by Weird Jang. <laughs> so, Book of Exalted Eight, still noted as a banned deck for some reason. Uh, Burn, also what you would expect from Burn. Monogreen Devotion. Um, with, uh, this is the Vorinclax Elder Gargoroth version without Karn. Not running any Field of Ruin in the main deck, which we have seen in a couple of these decks to counteract the Book of Exalted Eats. But I guess the Vorinclex version is a little quicker, so it can probably just... Unless they have the actual, like, turn 3 book, turn 4, put it on a Mutavolt, you might be able to kill them before they reasonably assemble this. Um, then we have Blue-Eye. This is Blue-Eye Yorion. It runs Yorion, Charming Prince, Planeswalkers, bunch of control spells, Dovid's Veto, Absorb, um, Supreme Verdict... Um, Elspeth Conquers Death. We have seen this deck before. Uh, very nice deck to utilize the new portable hole. Finally, having some one mana interaction. Then Demir Control, Rectal Spiromancer, Mono Black, Demir Control, uh, Hidden Strings, which is Lotus, uh, Mono Green Devotion with Karn. And basically, the sideboard it's always had. No particular innovations in this wishboard. There is Pithing Needle, which I think wasn't always in. You can name Book of Exalted Deeds with that. Yeah. Um, 
to make sure that you actually you can also you can also name mutavolt or faceless haven so they can't become a creature oh yeah that's true too it's really funny to go uh turn one pithing needle and then um uh just uh name a a fetch lander like you know whatever um mono black aggro again book of exalted deeds so it's still there in a reasonable amount right uh actually the first time i scrolled through this i think i misread it because it's registered on their name as band so there's actually quite a quite more of it than i uh actually thought in my first look through um though i could definitely see it go down a little bit more as more people come prepared because you still see a couple of people who clearly don't respect it in their lists and if it shows up a little bit more or it keeps showing up like this i can definitely imagine people start respecting it a little bit more in their sideboard uh which they are also answering this deck doesn't do that uh, this particular list but i've seen some of the lists run tomic to make sure that your lands can be targeted true so that would be a layer of protection for your land just like how shalai would be to be able to protect it while it's like the trigger the activated abilities on the stack so they can like cast a removal spell on it tomic will just protect it outright because it's a land at every point mono black aggro is it phoenix then there is bard class featuring gigantha which is kind of cool you, you can do alex real quick you could do uh go big brain you play your own tomic for the mirror or oh your opponents can't target their lands either yeah that's cool <laughs> also that is also just good tech against lotus yeah yeah Stops your opponents from doing Lotus things too. Which I can imagine Lotus being a terrible matchup for that deck. Yeah, probably. I'm sure Lotus is able to find something that they can use to bounce your, uh, bounce your card if they wanted to. Bounce your Mutavolt. Hmm. I have a question. So if I mean if uh if there's a yeah. if there's a uh, a land on field with um with a counter on it, right? And you approach, approach, and then remove it, does the previous approach effect not make it so you win? No, 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 you, you need, because... Do you have to, like, remove it first and then approach approach? Yeah, approach doesn't, like, stay present saying, like, by the way, this guy's won. Okay. I think when you play the second approach, and the guy's like, you've won, but you actually haven't, then it's just, that was part of resolving the spell. The spell has now resolved. You didn't win. Keep playing. I'm trying to think, are there any cards in the current board for um for this deck? Because, like... You run... I'm not sure, but they easily could, of course. What could they run? I mean, Cleansing Wildfire? Cleansing Wildfire works. Um, just a literal generic land destruction spell could work. Um, a bounce spell. Uh, currently, they're running Void Snare because just one mana, but that does bounce lands. Bounce lands, obviously, that would be insane. Um, but they easily could tag for it because they have access to all colors of magic and all non-creature cards in magic basically with the way the deck is set up yeah so if they wanted to they could have an answer um so the bar class deck this, this deck's really sweet uh definitely the combo version we see bergy play set of xenicos play set of mox amber play set of domri and arc of bolas um this is clearly the one that's supposed to like combo off we also see two zergo bell striker two ovia pashiri which works well with mox amber giving you like access to green mana off your mox amber pretty early uh, even though Ovia isn't a particularly good card, uh, which does sort of emphasize the um, combo aspect that this Bard deck is looking for. Mm -hmm. like It just wants Ovia Pashiri because it's a one drop that works with Mox Amber, even though the cards itself is subpar. 
where we've seen a lot of the card, the more aggro versions, just run a full playset of Zergo, or at least three, sometimes four copies of Zergo, uh, Zergo Bellstriker, because it's also just a pretty good one-drop, as opposed to just working with Moxham. Too bad we don't have, like, OG Rada legal and Pioneer. That'd be a pretty sweet one. Because it's just two mana, right? It's a legendary. Yeah, so. uh, yeah, yeah, she's uh, just cool. She'd be free. She'd be a free girl. Um... Then 20 second place, Niftalite, Hidden Strings, Enigmatic Fires. Um, oh, did you did you just glance over the fact they're playing an Arlen chord? Oh, yeah, that one's in there too. Arlen, it's obviously super cool. But Arlen feels a little bit petty to me. I mean... Like, petty as in it's a pet card. Yeah. I know it's a haste enabler, which has value uh, with some of these cards. But I really liked it in Jund uh, Delirium when I played it. Yeah, but I can see this. I mean, it's also just... It leans less, because for the same mana cost, you could play uh, Samut, Tyrant Smasher, mm -hmm. which actually just gives all your creatures haste, which gives you like a pretty solid like way to like, okay, you're spinning your wheels, you're playing half your deck, okay, you play Samut, your whole board has haste, your opponent's dead. Um, Arlen partially does that, because, for example, uh, Targnar, Demon Fang Null, um, just has an activated ability for double its power and toughness. Obviously... Um, I mean, I don't think it has haste, but you've got um, Ronas that you can find, which can give Trample. So if you just go through most of your deck, you find Arlen, Ronas, Tarnar, and just have a whole bunch of mana, you're probably one-shotting your opponent too. And Arlen is just a way better card than Samet, which is just a terrible card. But Arlen can actually play a, like, value game yeah. quite well too. So Arlen is probably better. For this place. Just a cool card. Just a cool card. Definitely. Um Niftalite, Hidden Strings, Enigmatic Fires, already said. Then uh, Azorius Scissors. Now we've seen a couple of scissors decks show up, and they're pretty much all Azorius, utilizing Ingenious Smith and Black Stuff of Waterdeep from the new set. Uh meaning they can again stick to being a Lurus deck because they don't need skill animator, which is really cool. If you see a copy of Treasure Vault show up in this deck. Uh, just to have an extra artifact land to animate. Also cool with Ingenious Smith, because it even triggers when you play an artifact land. Then, Brad, you can read out the 26 deck. Oh, can I? You have talked about this deck in the past. For Saturday? Yes. Me. By La11. I was on a deck list of a uh, specific deck, so I have to go back to it. Uh, it's so beautiful. We have essentially Mono Blue, but it's the Mono Blue Risen Reef and Master of Waves combo. It's so cool. And they're running some new cards from D&D, like Dragon Turtle. Did you have that on your bingo sheet for cards to be played out of D&D and constructed? No, no, absolutely not. <laughs> I mean, it is a three mana, three five with flash. Like, you know, that's kind of cool. And in this deck, it's a dragon, which is relevant for Sinem Garscorn. So the wording on it, when Dragon Turtle enters the battlefield, tap it and tap up to one target creature and opponent controls. They don't untap during their controller's untap or next untap steps. Does that counting itself when it says they? I'd say so, yeah. So, like, if you opt to use this effect, you can never untap your Dragon Turtle? Or no, no, it's just the next untap. Yeah, next. Yeah, so it just it's like exert it. Yeah. Hmm. Or you could just, you know, not do that and then ambush someone with a fucking 3-5 turtle and just be like, ha-ha. Uh, no, you need to tap the turtle. Tap it. 
Oh, tap it in up to. Oh my god, that's way worse than I thought. I mean, of course, otherwise it's just a 3 mana 3 5 flash blocker. That would be crazy. I would be inclined to play. Uh, actually, I actually. Imagine. Imagine if you have that because it has the same mana cost as cancel and your opponent is playing like it's either a counter spell or a 3 5 with flash. <laughs> <laughs> hey, it could be a brazen borrower. True. Which you have four on adventure right now, so because <laughs> you keep bouncing my shit. <laughs> uh, this is like is really cool. Also, it's running uh, some guard scorn because yeah, because dragon turtle is a dragon, it's and it's the only dragon in the deck. <laughs> it technically glass pool mimic is in there. I mean, it can it can also be four spike. Yeah, so it's not that it doesn't do anything if you don't have a dragon, and then there's four wizards retort. Again, leading it, and there's four Mutavolt in the deck, Brad. Yeah, this deck is so fucking sweet. So you can actually use Mutavolt to animate itself, and then cast Silimgar Scorn, and that means you just cast a cancel value. I guess we're. I think we want to break out a uh, Simic Flash again, boys. Dragon Turtle. <laughs> so for the people who aren't aware of this deck, um, the basic interaction in this deck is that it, it, it actually it just stopped running Thassa's Oracle, which is deck did sometimes. Um, you have Master of Waves, which says uh, three mana, uh, four mana, sorry, for a 2-1 Merfolk Wizard. God, I wish this was three mana. <laughs> a Cocoa Bowl. Um, yeah. So you could Cocoa it. Uh, pro Red, Elemental Creatures you control get plus one, plus one. And when it enters the battlefield, you gain, you get a bunch of one zero Elemental Tokens equal to your Devotion to Blue. And obviously, they will be two ones because Master of Wave buffs them. But they all trigger Risen Reef. Yeah. So if you have a reasonable amount of devotion, let's say you've got like four on board, you've got like a Gadwick and a Risen Reef. You play a Master of Wave Waves, that gives you five elementals. That's going to trigger your Risen Reef five times. So this is basically just a giant value town deck that'll just like, how does it win? It'll figure it out. You'll die at one point. We'll see. That's why I did play Oracle, because you could just deck yourself and then like, oops, I win. Yeah, you could just draw your entire deck. Which I'm kind of surprised it's not doing I guess it anymore. must have been, yeah. I mean, I was thinking, would it be like hard to control Instead, the... it's running Overwhelmed Apprentice and Sidisi's Faithful. I mean, it just wants Devotion and early blockers. I get that. And Sidisi's Faithful, if I do correctly, yeah. If you have a whole bunch of mana, you could just bounce your Master of Waves and play it again. True. Oh, this is a Yorian deck too. Sack one of the tokens. Oh, I, I did not even notice that. This is a Yorion deck. Look at that. Oh my god, look at the look at the all-star Aegis Turtle on the sideboard. I love this card so fucking much. <laughs> Just an 0-5 blocker. Turn one. One mana 0-5. Dude, you bring this in against turtle. Mono Red, and they genuinely just sit there and go, what the fuck? Why? <laughs> Why? Like, if you're playing Mono Red and you drop Aegis Turtle against that, or, against, or you get that dropped against you, I will literally look at that and I will contemplate scooping because I'm like, I have to I, I have to fucking use two burn spells on this thing. I will look at that, cast two non-creature spells and attack with my prowess creature, and if they block, I wild slash it. Still buys them a lot of life. Yeah. But <laughs> the opening hand is all three Aegis Turtle. And turn turn two, they have three Aegis Turtles out. <laughs> I cry. And then game game three, you're like, do I bring in Chains of the Rocks for this fucking Aegis Turtle? Is that that's a sentence I'm actually saying? You just you just bring in your opening hand is like three lands, your three turtles, and your and your risen reef, and you go, 
Aegis Turtle, Aegis Turtle, Aegis Turtle, you actually actively block their prowess creatures, hoping they do the thing of like wild slash it and then kill it. And then you play the Risen Reef. It's like, where's your shock now? Yeah, it's like in this, do this deck, I, f- I honestly feel like Burn and Mono Red cry versus this deck because you bring in three Aegis Turtle and four Aether Gust, and then you, you just, <laughs> you're just fine. You're honestly fine. Also, four Entrancing Melody for fun. I will, I will, I will be taking that. Thank you. That is that is my creature now. <laughs> Jesus Christ! I really like a trancing melody. Super cool card. Yeah, um, should be. I think it should be played more. To be honest. Wait, how does this? That is hilarious against a um, animated. Uh, can't be through the black staff because they don't tap it. But a dark steel citadel. <laughs> I have a five five indestructible blocker. Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> it's the fucking uh, the uh, the the uh, Soviet Union. It's like it's like no no no, we it's our dark steel citadel. <laughs> yeah, we have a dark steel citadel now. Thank you. Anyway, to not get stuck on this deck for too long. Twenty seventh place is Niftalite. Twenty eight mono black aggro Niftalite mono black aggro Niftalite. It's like the early days of the format. Hooray! Um, and then the last deck is Celestia Company, which is the historic deck ported into Pioneer, still having a a minor showing. Yeah. I mean, Niv's not as... Okay, well, Niv is still there, but it's not as dominant as it seemingly was, so this deck is, you know, not as necessary because Niv was the matchup you wanted for this deck. True, but yeah, I also feel like this really doesn't line up well against some of these new aggro decks, like uh, the White Weenie decks. Um, we've seen... I don't know how this, like, Book of Exalted Deeds matchup is, but I can imagine it's pretty terrible. Um... Not great against mono red aggro, I think, especially like the chain whirler version, because you've got a bunch of one toughest creatures. So where we'll see a white aggro deck, we'll move over to the Sunday challenge. Your favorite deck after one by Demir control. Yeah. And look at look at they're playing Demir. They're playing four dig through time. They're they're finally like they're like, fuck this three copy bullshit. We're playing four of them. I'm running two. Uh, well, they're they're a better magic player than you are. I do run Magma Opus. Well, I run Magma Opus, so I'm not gonna run multiple magna opus and a play set of dig through time that is just waiting to draw an opening hand with a total cmc of 40 and i'm just not about they're also that. only playing two t-hawks um i like i like the ashiok no, nightmare muse um i love the random sweep of like interactive things that every control deck does here's one cling to dust one blood cheese thirst one negate one hero's downfall everything else is nice numbers oh and then there's the one ashiok one extinction event i get i get i get the one blood chief's thirst you can't run five push, so yeah, this is your honorable fifth push, and it's a flexible push. You can hit planeswalkers. Could you imagine yeah. if if fatal True. push said uh, creature or planeswalker? Brad, don't do this to me. Don't <laughs> don't get me too excited. Oh. I just wish Blood Chief Stars was an instant, but <sighs> that'd be better than push. That would be pretty incredible. Yeah, it hits run in six. Um, look at that. Uh, second place, Band Spirits. Third, Niftalite. Fourth place, um, Mono Black Vampires. As you pointed out, the same list we see every time this deck shows up. Yeah, so I'm gonna I'm gonna bitch real quick. Yeah, I'm gonna bitch real quick about this. Okay, so it is the exact same 75 we see every single challenge in League that Vampires appears in. Don't get me wrong. I'm very happy to see vampires being represented. I've been saying it for months now. Pick up your Sorens. It's already at 16 apiece right now. And he will continue to climb because he's a dumb fucking random mythic from a core set. Anyway, this deck is going to be really cool once we get the vampire set. I hope 
but come on, there are other vampires. The the list is super stock. You go play set of Night of the Evolution, Dusk of Giselle, Get Day of the Born, um, Champion of Dusk, Thoughtseize, Fatal Push, Soren, Castles, you're on Mutavolts, Snows, and then like one Face of Saven. And then you go three Mur- Murder Strider, two Heartless Act, two Kalidus, and then you have your board. Two Despise, two Duress, two Legion's End, two Crippling Fear, three Self-Inflicted Wound, one more Kalidus for the burn matchup, and then three Leyline of the Void. Look, the list is fine. There's nothing wrong with the list. It's very well-rounded. It's very well set up against most of the uh, the field. However, there are cards you can be trying out that no one's really testing. There's Callous Blood Mage. There's uh, No Priest of the... Whatever. No Priest. Vampire. Whatever. The one that... Kicker. Of Oblivion. Yeah, of Oblivion. I, I, want, I, I kept wanting to say of the Forgotten Gods. I'm like, nope, that's just Priest of the Forgotten Gods. Um, you can be trying to run even Nighthawk Scavenger, um, which I've seen some list try. I've, uh, there's uh, there other vampires. There's the Rogue, the Indestructible. That one's not very good. Don't do that one. Um, like, there's other ways to play it. Maybe people are trying those, but they never 5-0 or top 32. And that's why we just see the stock list. I don't believe that is an option. I truly don't. We need more big vampires. We need another big boy to drop. I cannot wait for Crimson Blood or whatever vow. Give it a couple months, we'll have it. Yeah. We get they give us an Ulamog vampire. Here you go. With an ETB rather than a cast trigger. Oh. Oh. Sorn will be banned. Sorn will be banned so fast because that'd be a combo deck. It won't even be a vampire deck. God, I'm gonna be It's like the Morphon Slivers one in Yeah. Modern, which is a hilarious deck. I mean, what if we get like a Morpheon type card in Pioneer? I mean, Morpheon is like a seven mana card, so don't know. Hmm. I mean, I would randomly run that card in Vampires. <laughs> Just because it's so big. Yeah. Uh, turn three, big boy. Like, yeah, I'll cheat. What is Morpheon? Like a nine seven or something? He is massive. Let me see. He is a a very healthy uh, six six. Oh, I thought it was way bigger. Um, he, it, Ender's Baffet is creature type. Still pretty big on turn three. Spells of the chosen type uh, you can cast cost uh, Wooberg less to cast. Um, so, you know, your Kalidus is three mana. Your uh, Does that... I mean... Does it make your one drops free? Your Ebon Legion free? Yeah. yeah. Nice. That's cool. You can kind of storm off a little bit. Uh, and it's a ward. Yeah, fuck it. I mean, that point, you should just be doing the slivers thing because it's way cooler. I'm sorry. But we don't have any in Pioneer that are good. Yeah, but we also don't have Morphle in Pioneer. <laughs> I can dream. You can, Brad. Uh, I hope we get more slivers when we go back to Dominaria, which we should be relatively soon if there was like some sort of leak or whatever with new sets. We're getting Ren and Six. Anywho, fifth place. So, have fun with that. Ren and Six? Yeah, he's, At least no. he's on the promo. He's on the... He, we are. He's on the promo art. I just hope it's not the Ren and Six from Modern Horizons. Oh, uh, no. It, it's probably going to be Golgari. It's like way... It's way darker looking um, based on like flavor. So like, that'd be cool. I hope it's two mana though. No. Yes. I really don't want two mana planeswalkers. They, I hate the design so much. It is so stupidly hard to interact with. Give it to me. Then I wanted fa- an instant speed fatal uh, blood chief. Just give me, give me a planeswalker Do- that I can jam as a four of in Jun. Combat the bullshit in Jun Delirium. But make it three mana, thanks. No. Um. So moving on to the fifth place deck, which is Jeskai Ascendancy. Um. The Jeskai Ascendancy list we have seen before. We see a main deck cleansing wildfire, which is obviously very smart for the um, Book of Exalted Deeds yep. matchup. So you actually have an out. Uh, very sensible in this deck. You'd think like something like one of cleansing wildfire. Like why wouldn't you do that in like other red based decks or whatever? 
But this obviously has the upside that once you combo off, you will basically draw your entire deck. So then it's kind of sensible to just have this one-off in there. It also cantrips, um, so it works into your game plan anyway. So you can use it to extend your combo play because it cantrips. But it also just works as, oh, I'm just going to draw my entire deck, and now I'm going to have an out in game one to this combo. Because Jeskai Ascendancy can take a second to set up. Um, you can do it quickly, but you will probably take a second to set up. And you actually have that time now, because you know if your opponent tries to, like, turbo out the book, you have an out, which is nice. Then we see blue-white Yorion again with the portable hole. Is it Phoenix? And then in eighth place, Brad... What is this? Beautiful is what it is. It is mono white, just straight up aggro, um, but a very unorthodox approach to mono white aggro. It's not nice and neat looking. It's not play sets of everything across the board and just like get in. It's weird. So you have a lot of interesting cards. So of course, let's get the play sets out of the way. There are a couple. Thraben Inspector, Luminarch Aspirant, Elite Spellbinder. There you go. There's your, there's your playset. Oh, and, and, and Deccan Stone. Stone. Dude, I've been saying for a little bit that I, I kind of think people should play more Deccan Stone. Like, I know the Investigate thing it can give them a, or give them a clue uh, is uh, pretty bad. But, like, look, it can also be a pretty big blowout, too, in certain, like, positions. And, like, just ways to deal with um, stuff. It's two-minute exile. I think it's pretty good. But anyway, we have uh, Anafenza, the Kintree Spirit. We remember seeing that in the old Mono White days with Inverter. Um, we have three Usher the Fallen, one Kithion. So it's like, we want to play a playset of a one drop besides Raven Spectre. Do we want to play Usher the Fallen or Kithion? And then you just go, I'll play three and one. He's a legendary. It's fine. There's your other playset. <laughs> There's two Tomic for seemingly no good reason besides like it's good against Lotus or like the it, book. It's, I guess. It's against, no, Lotus and book. Yeah. So it's two matchups that you're probably pretty hopeless against. True. And this card solves it. I like it a lot. I think it's a great include. We have two Thalia, uh, the three mana one. That's the only one we really have. Um, we have three Skyclave Operation, two Ajani Adversary Tyrant, two Sparring Regimen, which uh, Alex was confused as hell as to what this card was when we first looked at this list. Um, which is a... Th I don't play limited. <laughs> it's a it's a rare enchantment from Strixhaven. Three mana, two and a, uh, two and a white. When Sparring Regiment enters the battlefield, you learn. Whenever you attack, put a plus one, plus one counter on target attacking creature and untap it. So, you know, cool. And my favorite card in the in the entire list is uh, Bastry's Lieutenant, which is... Uh, I love this card so much. Really sweet. Uh, Vigilance, protection from multicolored, so get fucked, Niv. Um, when Bastry Lieutenant enters the battlefield, put a plus one plus one counter on target creature you control. And whenever Bastry Lieutenant or another creature you control dies, if it had a plus one plus one counter on it, create a 2-2 two -two white knight creature token with Vigilance. So, yeah. Uh, very nice with uh, Ajani Adversary of Tyrants and Luminarch Aspirants. You very quickly get a bunch of 1-1 one -one counters spread around your board. Yep. And then Bastry's Lieutenant is actually board-wide protection. And then there's Anafenza, uh, which um, she bolsters. Oh, yeah, bolsters too. So gives you more t more counters. Um, and then and then Sparring and Sparring Regimen also gives you counters. So this is a, this is a really cool list. Um, you, know, you know what I've been thinking now that I've seen this deck? Mm. This is more of a mid-range deck than Niv far more 
Yeah. Like, yeah, I agree with that. Oh, I've talked about this before where people say like mid range. It's like people don't know what they're talking about when they talk about mid range. Because Nif Mizzet is just a control deck. It's just a tap out control deck. Yep. This is a true mid range deck. It has a whole bunch of one drops. I'm um, sure some of them have are not very aggressively statted, like Raymond Inspector. But that means that they can be blockers in aggro matchups. But this deck definitely has draws. I mean, it has eight. It has 18 creatures that are two mana or less. Then it's got some pieces of disruption with Elite Spellbinder, Thalia, Basri's Lieutenant, some value with Ajani, that sort of thing. It's got a couple of manlands. So it, it has this pretty aggressive core game plan that it can have but it can also fall back and grind and this is a true mid-range deck because against some decks like if this is up against niv it's going to play an aggressive role if this is against white weenie or mono red aggro it's gonna keep its cards back you know buff up the thraben inspector so they all have a bunch of big butts and then it's just gonna sit on an ajani and just plus this thing until it ults and that is a true mid-range deck. So I really like this deck for being like actual mid-range mid-range, even though it definitely looks like an aggro deck on the surface. I have an idea. Also, if you look at the sideboard, this sideboard screams more mid-rangey to me. It's yeah. Archangel, Avacyn. Yeah, stays a snare. Shalai, Settle the Wreckage. Like, not... The only thing I would say, this would be more mid-rangey if it had like two or three sideboard cards that would make it so it can slant aggressively post-board. Because mm -hmm. now it's basically, it's pretty aggressive in game one and it can only become more controlling in game two and three. There's no like dial to turn to go more aggro aside from how you will mulligan in your post-board games. I don't know what that would be out of mono white. Maybe legitimately just like a bunch of like I can imagine just being like four efficient one drops in this sideboard. And it's like post board, I'm going aggro, I'm putting this in. But you probably just want more impactful cards, which is why they're not there. So I have an idea. Remember the old uh, mono white list with Karn? And even Claudia started playing it again a little bit, some leagues. Deck and Stone's a four of in that deck. Like it should be a four of. That's your premier removal in that deck because when you drop Karn, they can't use their clues. Oh, that's not... I, I like that. Mm -hmm. I like that a lot. Yeah. Oh, I kind of want to play Mono White Control now. And I, uh, we can... I think the Divine whatever card from D&D &D for Mono Black is really cool. Actually, I like it. I like that it's instant, like for the Mono Black uh, matchup. The if fa uh, Divine Smite, you mean? Yeah, it phases... Um, if it's if it's black, it exiles. That's kind of cool. Um, I think for the sake of most mono white decks, you're probably okay with the sorcery speed of Devout Decree because you'll just be tapping out a lot because there's not a lot of instant speed stuff in the deck. True. Also, but it's cool to have the option. Right? Also, you probably don't want to have that many. You're not gonna have that many options for sideboard if you're playing Karn because wishboard. Um, True. So you're gonna have all your removal main deck. I think you go full place of Elite Spellbinder, Skyclave Aberration, and that kind of deck. I think you play Thrive Inspector in that too as your premier one drop. Oh yeah, yeah, for sure. Um, I like Giant Killer in this list, so I think I would like it in that list too. I, I actually like Tomic there. I like Thalia there. Um, so I, okay, I would take okay. This this would be actually really cool. So I would take this deck. I would basically cut the Ajani Sparring Regimen, um, Bastard's Lieutenants, uh, Usher the Fallen, Kithian, Luminar Aspirants, um, and, and a Fenza. I would go in four Karn, some more main deck uh, up Skyclave to four. 
Um, maybe even consider running the Archon's main as a possibility. Um, uh, I wish Arcanistyle maybe. I wish maybe Arcan. Yeah, Arcanistyle might be uh, might be cool. I mean, there might be too many whiffs. But then you probably want some enchantments or artifact spells as removal. Too many, too many whiffs. So you might want to have some portable holes or yeah. baffling ends, that sort of thing. I and mean, we could just do portable hole as a main deck removal initially, and then. I wish, I wish Wrath of God was Pioneer Legal, just so Mono White could have it. Because, I mean, we have Cleansing Nova. They could, um, yeah, so Wrath of God has the problem that it has Regenerate on it, which generally doesn't come back. But we've got Day of Judgment, that card exists, which is just Wrath of God without the Cannot Regenerate clause. Yeah. So it's like a modern version of Wrath of God. So, yeah, we, we could probably do with Day of Judgment. I don't think that'd be a problem. I mean, you could run Doomscar in this deck, which, I mean, is hmm. fine. Um, you, I mean, you can easily take turn two off a lot and then just foretell Doomscar in this, this version of the list. Cause like, what are you going to be doing on turn two besides trying to like deck and stone your opponent? Um, if they have it, like, cause you're, you're removing your two drops. Not much. Um, dude, I, I'm actually, would this deck play Knights of the White Orchid? Probably good, good blocker. Get your, get your land as like a sort of way to ramp. So that's your only ramps up, ramp up the Karn. Yeah. In, uh, ramp up the Karn on the... Oh, no, wait, because you need to wait till your turn three to do that. So you don't actually ramp up the card. Well, if you're on the draw. Yeah, but if you're on the draw, you go turn two. You need to go land knight in order to go turn three Karn. But if you go land knight, you have the same amount of lands as your opponent, mm -hmm. which means your knight doesn't trigger. Um, so you need to wait till turn three, play knight, then play your land drop. And then you've got four mana on turn three, but two of that has been taken up by the knight. So there's no turn three Karn there. But whatever, turn four Karn's fine. <laughs> so the record is good. I would probably have um I'll probably still run I would probably one or run one or two in the main um maybe just a spook factor maybe just one yeah maybe just one I'll be honest I have and I should definitely start doing this I just completely forget slash disrespect settle the wreckage I mean yeah like in standard at that time obviously constantly terrified it's a if now someone has white mana like spirits. Spirits sometimes runs one copy of Settle the Wreckage, but they can hide it so well as literally anything in the deck that it just can't play around it. It's like, I'm not going to play around a one-off. If you got it, you got it. I'm just going to swing with everything, which is a very scary part about Settle the Wreckage, especially in Spirits. Car card is terrifying. An instant speed sweeper is so scary, especially because it exiles. Yeah. Um, hmm. Are, do we, what are the sweepers we have in Mono White besides... Uh... Cleansing Nova and Doomscar and Fumigate. Fumigate? Um, I think that's about where it ends. Hmm. All the other ones. Kaya's Orzoth, Time Wipe is Azorius, Verdict is Azorius. I, I don't think there is a, another Mono Wipe or Wipe. Oh, there's a Shatter the Sky, but you probably don't want that. But you, you could run that. It is a four mana sweep. You want a four mana Wrath. Um, there's just a chance you give your opponent a card, but there's also a chance you give yourself a card. You got like a Gideon out or something? I mean... I think the best five mana sweeper available in white is probably Doomscar because it has the possibility of. Uh, though I could see, I could genuinely see a, a, a an argument for Fumigate in a, in, a, in the right meta. Um, yeah, hmm, I'm trying to figure it out. So like that's 67. I'm literally putting. I'm visually constructing this list right now, and I actually am. I think it looks kind of cool, though the Karn thing is awkward to me. Because in a matchup where, like, you don't want Doomscar, like, because this is a deck that you want your, your main 60 to be as flexible as possible without the needed benefit of um, taking things out for siding because it's a wishboard. 
So do we go? Yeah, there's probably you don't probably don't want to swap like more than four cards in every matchup. Yeah, so probably do like you don't want to be like a control deck that sometimes boards out like ten or eleven cards. Like you just can't do that. Yeah. So if we do like, I think we do like one settle, three Doomscar main, um, and then we leave a we leave an opening for a total of four cards that those can come out, and then eleven wish targets for Karn. Do you think that's enough? It is more than enough. I could I could definitely see like nine, eight or nine Karn targets being enough. I think I kind of like the the um, the Faces Haven. Oh, do you just run book at this point? Do you run book just to have it as a possibility? I mean, you just put one book in your sideboard. It's not colorless. Karn can tutor up artifacts. They don't have to be colorless. I've had Karn tutor up Verderous Gearhole. Oh, you're right. Mono Green Devotion before. Yeah, you're right. You're right. You're right. You're right. So you could just put one book in your sideboard, and if Faces Haven slash Mutavolt is part of your game plan. You could just, it's part of your deck anyway, just like in matchups where it's applicable. Oh, this doesn't seem like a deck that has an answer to this. Cool, let me just get the book out of my board and instantly win game one. That's, yeah, that's true. And now, because there's one book in your sideboard, your opponent is going to bring in their anti-book cards. It's going to be, I don't care, it's one wish card in my sideboard. Oh, you've got a Field of Ruin? Guess I'm not grabbing that. <laughs> Who cares? Are there any other um, staple not staple but like utility lands you would want to run in this because right now i just have 19 snow castle snow covered castle Arden vale. i have three castles right now three castle Arden Vales. i know this has become like the you probably want to you probably want to field of ruin yourself yeah at least one to have an out for the combo yeah so oh no no you don't need it why you're a karndak you just put meteor golem in your wishboard oh uh, yeah true also just the flavor Right, Mutavolt, and you see, like, it's Angel Mutavolt. Imagine, like, Mutavolt is obviously, like, kind of like a cavern-type thing, and now it's, like, you look at it, it's all angelic and glowing light, and there's, there's like, a couple angels chilling, and this robot just comes from the sky and just <laughs> smashes it all in one thing. Like, I love Meteor Golem because I remember playing it in Limited, and I would actually do, like, as a joke, right, playing, I had a couple rounds playing against friends, I would do like the Yu-Gi-Oh thing. So like you really dramatically play your card and I would slam it on top of the card I was targeting. So your opponent had like a creature, just Meteor Goat of just kill that. I love that. I love that card so much. Meteor Golem. Um, it's just so cool. It is just one of those cards that just, aside from the fact that it's quite a small creature because it would be a bit crazy if it was like an 8-8 itself. Um... Just the flavor and like the flavor and how the card plays and how the card looks like perfectly lines up. And that's just super cool about Meteor Golem. So we want probably, um, hmm, Stone Cold Serpent in the side would be cool. Sovereign's, uh, the, the boat, uh, God's Fairy Gift, maybe the Immortal Sun even, because um, we're not a Super Friends deck, we're just Karn, so like... And like if we if we at one point you could just decide like we no longer need Karn and then you just yeah and his 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 passive still works too when he's uh, you have a Morrison out so yeah. um, Dark Cell Citadel so your opponent is still incentivized to kill it because of all the clues you gave him yeah um, so let's go what about trading post I think I don't know if we've done timestamps on our episodes I think we stopped doing them for a while. I think we need to bring it back for this one, and this will just be titled Brad Builds a Deck on Air. Yeah, uh, we've deviated a little bit, but like I'm very fascinated by this idea of uh, of the deck, um, and Claudio piqued my interest with the fact that he was like doing this. Um, ooh, what about Cataclysmic um, Gear Hulk? Yeah, that wasn't the Mono White decks at the time. Cataclysmic Gear Hulk? 
Um, then God's Pharaoh's statue, because that's just a good one. But God, is, it, is there a thing? Yeah, there's a little hyphen. This is really sweet. Um, so right now I have eight or nine cyborg slots. Um, I have Dark Steel Citadel, Grafter's Cage, Soul Guide Lantern, Sorcerer's Spyglass, Book of Exalted Deeds, Trading Post, Cataclysm Gear Hulk, God Pharaoh's Statue, and Meteor Golem. Um, or other. You went a bit fast. Was there a damping sphere in there? Yeah, get, get a damning sphere in there. And I would probably turn Sorcerer's Spyglass into a pithy needle. I know there is upside to Sorcerer's Spyglass, but it always strikes me a little bit as the new player-friendly Pithing Needle. Yeah. But it's like, if you're playing Karn, you know when to grab Pithing Needle, and then you know what to name. So why spend the one extra mana? True. Okay, we have 10. Give me one more, and then let's think of four cards we can swap with the Sweepers in the matches we don't want them. What's uh, Godfire statue in? Uh, yeah, it's in. Is Meteor Golem yep. in? Um, oh, we... Portable Hole? No, when we do port, so yeah, portable, hole. and then we can probably do three portable hole main, one on the side. Yeah, that works. Portable hole, one, um, and then add three to the main. All right, so what can what is just a solid white card we can bring in where we don't want sweepers or even like portable hole, I guess. Archangel Avicen. Arch. Kind of spitballing Angel. at this point. Avicen. Brad, you are testing me on my mono white knowledge. You know you who you're talking to, right? That's a very good point. My main my main two decks are Grixis and Golgari. I don't and my other white deck is a white weenie deck that just plays a bunch of one mana two ones. Like Oh, what about um one? I got it. I got it. I I, I got it. I figured it out. Just drink do you just jam a place at a Varkon of Amiria? Makes sense. Um if you don't want any of your main, which Yeah. Might, you might not want to. So you would just take out Doomscar, sell the records for four Archons, and you keep your wish we're going. Um, now, I'm at 73 total cards. I need two more in the main. My main right now is two Giant Killer, fourth Raven Inspector, two Tomic, four Elite Spellbinder, four Skycliff Apparition, two Thalia, four Karn, four Deconstone, one Settle, three Doomscar, three Portable Hole, 25 Lands. Did you say Knight of the White Orchid? Oh, I don't have that in. So I guess uh, we'll actually cut something down um, to make four of the, We want four of those. Um, maybe we don't need that many portable holes? I'd want them. On, so but again, is you're talking to the control player, so of course I want them. Is Thalia bad? Thalia's okay, but Tomic. It's okay. That is a nice main deck option. Giant Killer is flexible. Because if I do four... If I'm at 77 right now with the four. Um, we could go... Three Skyclave Aberrations. Do you want Giant Killer in this deck? Is this the type of deck that plays Giant Killer? Probably not. Yeah, that seems like the cut. So, main deck, Giant Killer, get out of there. And now, we have a beautiful deck. Wait, hold on. I'm... Whoopsies. I accidentally put... Uh, Night Word in the sideboard. Like, why is it not working? Neither way or good. Right, and now just take take the visual view and just no context, throw it on your Twitter. Yes. So let me go ahead and just go to visual view. So whoever is listening to the recording and um, now wants to find this deck list, you don't have to go on Brad's Twitter and scroll back down all the way to the 26th of July. About 6 p.m. You'll find it. This is beautiful tweet image. Recents screenshot. Let me crop it down a bit. Save. Tweet. All right. So let's move on with the challenge that we were talking about. 
So this was the eighth deck, which set Brad off to construct a deck live on air. Um, ninth deck, Banned Spirits. And we see so many innovations from Banned Spirits here that we've seen um, pop up recently. Um, three Gilded Goose in the one-drop slot. Uh, another Flyer. It can actually attack when you've got Imperial Eagle. Um, kind of just because it wants a filler and Spectral Sailor is just not that good of a card in a lot of these matchups. Uh, also allows you to like turbo out your collected company a bit earlier, which is kind of nice. Um, and another hit on collected company in Bygone Bishop. Now, the people who might have played uh, Mono White Monument in Amon Cat Standard will know this card. Um, it's two and a white for a 2-3 flying Spirit Cleric. Whenever you cast a creature spell with converted mana cost three or less, investigate. It's pretty simple. It just It is just a source of card advantage and grindiness. I do find it a little bit funny that we cut Spectral Sailor because we don't really care about that grindiness, and then we put Bygone Bishop in the deck, which grinds. Would you say it uh, grinds your gears? To an extent. I do really love Bygone Bishop. Super cool card. Just make. I'm not going to build a Mono White deck live on stream, but it does make me want to play, or want to try and build Mono White Monument in uh, Pioneer. Because we have the four vampires that like Squadron Hawk themselves, yep. and I think in corset 21 or 20 we got the soldiers that do the same and the boros angel from um from zendikar so you got a whole bunch of like white creatures that tutor up more copies of white creatures and you've got bygone bishop and you're making tokens of the monument anyway not gonna build that now but i'll probably build that later because that sounds sweet what's the one angel that tutors itself out of the sideboard yeah that's the run that legionnaire loyalist so legion angel loyalist is it legion is it legion loyalist <laughs> I think it's Legion Angel. Oh, uh, whatever. No, just Legion Angel. Yeah, run that. All right, then 10th place, we have, um, once again, uh, and Soul. And running a one-off of a card, I'm not sure if I missed it in the other one, but it is a card I'm a very big fan of. It runs one copy of Toolcraft Exemplar. Yeah. Just your average one mana, three, two. Pretty sweet. With first strike. Um, if you've got a bunch of artifacts, but you will in this deck. Yeah. Um, 11th place is... I'm not sure if it's the same 75, but it's pretty damn close. They're running, hey, they're running four Ingenious Smith now. I'm actually happy to see that. It's a very sweet card. Yeah, it's actually the exact same 75, uh, 10th and 11th list. Then we see 12th list, which is almost the same 75. Couple changes here. No copies of all that glitters. An extra copy of the Black Staff of Waterdeep. And we see Selfless Savior in this deck. As a form of protection, which is kind of sweet. Yep. Recurable with Lurus. Uh, 13th list. This is um, Azorius Blink. Featuring, in this case, Cavalier of Dawn. Pretty sweet. Uh, then Hidden Strings. So Lotus. Burn. 16th place is uh, Azorius Blink again. Showing up quite a bit, this deck. Yeah. Which I'm I'm intrigued by this deck's um, presence. Like I, I, This deck is showing up like in quite large numbers and it's really just like azorius value town and i'm actually really excited to see a deck like this because first of all it clearly shows that it's not just like if you want to play grindy stuff play niv there are other options yep. uh i know this is a type of arc this is an archetype that a lot of people really like uh, so it's all of these decks like, hey, you want to play blue-white blink shenanigans? People are like, yeah, what format? Like, time spiral block constructed? It's like, no, Pioneer. Like, this works. 
So I think that's super cool. I think I know why. Um, so and it wrote some weird cards like Faith's Feathers. Yeah, the the reason I think this I know it deck, works with the book. This but. deck works now because it has a genuine plan B in the book land thing. Like before, what was the plan B for a blink deck? It was just like if you don't outvalue them and get your like your deck rolling like it should, then you can't just you know get there. But now you have the ability to interact with your opponent like you did before, like Reflector Mage. Um, you know, Skyclave Apparition is very good. Skyclave Apparition is extremely good because it leaves just it leaves behind that token as opposed to them getting their thing back. Um, so you can blink that and just be like, yeah, you get a you get a cool you get a token. I'm gonna kill another thing though. Um, and the fact that you can run Agent Treachery is nice, but you can go into the book and like either just buy yourself time to allow your deck to start rolling forward and getting the momentum it wants or as just a way to be like ha i how do you beat me or like just yeah it's sort of like while your opponent is trying to find their answer to your combo which they might have but meanwhile you're just blinking an agent every turn yeah with like that yorion charming prince loop and you're just slowly stealing their lands like if you don't find your answer in two turns you're not gonna have the mana to cast it yep so that's pretty sweet. I, Very intriguing I, deck. I'm definitely one I like when a lot of people I know, this is one of those decks I can use to lure people to Pioneer. It's like, hey, do you want to play Azores Blink? They're like, ooh. ooh I kind yes, I'd like to. <laughs> I kind of wanna like I don't know, I'm I'm intrigued to like take apart my Azorius Spirits deck and play this as my Azorius deck instead. Um because like I like spirits. It's just like it's so boring i think to play for me for me um it's just straightforward it's kind of like mono blue tempo i get that same vibe where like i i'll play it jam some games with it but i i really only own the deck in paper because it's a great deck to offer people that aren't familiar with pioneer and be like hey um do you want to want to jam a game with spirits because a lot of people know what spirits is um and it was, you should be like playing that deck but this could also be another deck where I'm like, hey, do you want to play Blink? I have that deck in my bag. Eh? Eh? Hmm? Eh? Also, being able to just keep blinking your fucking ECD is just, just makes me makes me so happy. It's like, bye-bye. Yeah, it's a cool deck. I just thought of the strangest sideboard card of all time. What? It's not going to be good, but I just... I was looking at the, the deck after this, this, which is Demir Control. And I see it runs three Field of Ruin. And a bunch of castles. And a problem I've been having when I see these lists pop up. Like, oh no, people are starting to play Field of Ruin again. My deck only runs like three basics. I can change the amount of it a little bit, run like four or five. But that could be problematic against this deck. I'm attempted to, tempted to run a Field of Ruin myself because I want it as an out for the combo. But I can keep it as a colorless land if need be. Now, what if, Brad, I go into a control matchup... And I have Crucible of Worlds in my sideboard. Huh. I'm protected against my own Field of Ruin, uh, against their Field of Ruin. And if I run Field of Ruin myself and the game goes long, I could start doing it to them. Because we'll run out of basics, right? This deck runs six basics too. Mm. And just like every turn, I'm just, I take away your castles. I take away your your duels, your Gyrich Sanitarium. I, I, I don't think it's good, but it's it, it's something that just randomly crossed my mind. It's like, should I get a Crucible of Worlds? Because <laughs> I don't own one. I mean... 
You'll, you'll... I own Ramanite Excavator, but I can't play green spells. <laughs> <laughs> Not with that attitude. <laughs> I mean, you'll like Crucible and... Uh... I don't run enough basics. You know how I'll solve this? By adding dual, adding another color to my deck. There you go. Eh. Yeah, try it. If you don't like it, you have it for a uh, EDH deck. True, true. Mm -hmm. All right. So the 18th deck is Niv Delight. Uh, just another quick look to see if there... There's actually an expressive iteration in this deck, which I think is kind of cool. Yeah, they started running it. Though I could, def I could definitely see you, you get this point where you get the expressive iteration. You're playing Niv, you get the expressive iteration, and you fight like Niv, Tulsimir, and Omnath. And you're like, yeah, two of you have got to go. <laughs> yeah. I can't cast any of you, so one of you goes to my hand. Uh, another expressive iteration deck. Is it Phoenix? Mono black aggro. Burn. Um... This one is... It's the Rakdos. I wanted to say Rakdos Pyromancer, but it's Rakdos mid-range yeah. with... Well, mid-range. No. It's Rakdos... Well, it's mid-range-ish. Okay, this is mid-range-ish. This, this, this is mid-range. This is fair. Okay, fair. This is mid... This is actually mid-range. Even though it has very few creatures to go aggro with, so I'm hesitant on calling it mid-range. Ooh, funeral rites. This is... This is... Uh, they run funeral rites. Oh, that one's kind of sweet. Draw two, lose two life, mill two cards. Huh. You draw two cards, lose two life, then mill two cards. Huh. So the, I, I'm, I'm even hesitant to calling this a mid-range deck because it's got 13 creatures and a Chandra, so this is going to have a hard time actually being the aggro player in a matchup, but I guess. But you have Croxa. <laughs> I mean, takes a while for you to escape him because you don't even run... Um, this list doesn't even run the... Stitcher Supplier. Stitcher Supplier. Yeah, it doesn't need to. Um, it's got like a million removal spells because you're not running Arcanist, right? Can you can you can you really be the aggro deck with two two Blood Chief Stirst, four Fatal Push, four Dreadbore, and two Collective Brutality? Can you really be an aggro deck with that? You can hope. You can hope. <laughs> I mean, Magmatic Channeler just like naturally grows and becomes a threat, and you're like, haha! Also, starts turning through your deck. Dis you discard like you know the, the Fatal Push. Yeah, you discard two cards to Collective Brutality. Easy. Yeah. Or just naturally... Turn one Thoughtseize, turn two Channeler, turn three Collective Brutality, dis escalate twice, there you go. There's your 4-4. Four, four. Now they guess the Fatal Push and you're sad. Yeah. But then that's one less Fatal Push for, their, for your Croxa. True. And Bone Crusher Giant is its own... He'll get there. He'll grow. He'll grow. Yeah, and Bone Crusher Giant is his own threat on his own. How many times have we played where I was like on Teamer, the Teamer Flash control deck or whatever, where like I just play Bone Crusher Giant and you're like, I don't have a move for that. And I'm like swing for four you're like I, I take four okay next turn swing for four i i, I take four and it's like this is a clock he's a big boy true uh see oh yeah so crooks and then Kalidus. i mean i like Kalidus. Uh, i i i like and dislike Kalidus. i don't like Kalidus in the context of my deck i like Kalidus as a clock. yes i think he's cool um 23rd place mono white aggro and this is the uh monk of the open hand clarion spirit this is basically like a port of a standard deck but then we see some really cool cards like uh venerated loxodon always happy to see the elephant boy elephant jesus uh brave the elements which is a card i talked about before i really like that card <laughs> yep. it can basically make your whole block and block uh, whole board unblockable go super wide with clarion spirit um, Legion's Landing. Sweet deck. Oh. Shepherd Dunes. Oh, Legion's Landing. They're running a Cave of the Frost. Ooh, I should run Cave of the Frost Dragon at some, like, one or two in the uh, the Model White Control list. Oh, yeah, you Just could. like an evasive, like, I need Delete to finish tweet. this fucking game. <laughs> uh, 
24th place Niftalite, 25th place Niftalite, again with the expressive iteration in both. Actually, two in both of these decks. I think two is the right number that you run in that deck. I'm not going to comment on Niv. It has a bunch of stuff, and it's... Speaking of a bunch of stuff, here's Enigmatic Fires. It's <laughs> <laughs> a whole bunch of stuff, actually. Um, Nothing... I like how this deck has one portable hole in it, even though it has no way to tutor it. This looks, among all the other cards, it's like, oh yeah, it's one of those cards you tutor. It's like, no, you don't. It's one artifact. Uh, do they run? Yeah, I don't I don't know what, how they... Um, hmm. It's just there. <clears throat> like, yeah, what if, what if I... I've got an 80-card deck. What if I go up against Mono Green Devotion and I just have it on turn one? You know, Brad, you only need it on turn one. Yeah. So you only need one, right? So why would I put two in my deck if I only need one? So you know how we've talked about before? Um, we talk about like uh, when you pull a card out of like a set or something like that and it's like motivation to like, or an excuse to build a deck. Like we talked about this off cast before. Um, yeah. Like I pulled the, uh, the the enchantment tutor or whatever from the list. That's like 40 or 50. But yeah, I'm like, hey, cool. Uh, maybe I should play Mono White Commander. Um, so I had another one of those moments. Guess what card I pulled that's literally a one-of in this deck, but I pulled a foil of it, and I'm like, maybe I should make Enigmatic. Just look, look, go ahead and look at the list. It's it's a one-of in this exact list, too. And I want you to tell me which foil I pulled as a one-of to, like, make me want to build this deck. Can I have that? Was this somewhat recently? Um, yeah. I pulled it, I, I pulled it like, a few days ago. But it was not d d It's not a D&D card. No, I was thinking of that. Probably just like Lithoform Blight. You're exactly correct. I pulled a foil Lithoform Blight. <laughs> Look at that. <laughs> Not edited. Yeah. Not edited. One go. And um, I mean, there was it was funny because I'm like, I know this deck only runs as a one of anyways, and I'm like, I got my one of foil. <laughs> that I would want IRL. <laughs> so like, hey, maybe I do build this deck. Um, I own pretty much everything. I did trade it with Golos, but Golos is only Golos is eight dollars now. No. Good commander. Yeah. He's a five-color commander when he shouldn't even be a five-color commander. Commander, okay, this is why commander's stupid in a lot of ways. Hybrid mana? No. You could never have that in your deck. That goes against the, the integrity of having a, a color pie or having, having a color identity with your commander. Oh, but you can run fucking colorless Golos and say it's a five-color deck because it's in his activated ability, go fuck yourself. I think that is the stupidest thing. That's a card... Stupid. I think that's ridiculously stupid. That's a card's color identity, Brad. So is... That's what color identity is. I, I know, I know, but... Now, I don't agree with hybrid yes, cards. That, that's Hybrid cards should be... Because uh, Morrow said it, he was asked on it, and he's like, I'm on the rules committee, but I'll say that hybrid cards are designed... For example, um, to look at... What's like a good example of a hybrid card? Um, Night Vale Spectre. Yeah, the one that everybody knows. Um, but they're always designed... <laughs> they're always designed to be... Okay, Luris. They're always designed to be... They can be... There you go, Luris. Yeah, like Luris. Luris is designed to be... This card could be a black card or it could be a white card. Now, it can be a little bit of a stretch to be in one of its colors but it is designed to be both well to be one or the other it's not necessarily both like luris is a card you could print as a mono black card and no one would bet an eye you could print it as a mono white card and 
people would maybe be a little bit surprised, but it would still be perfectly like within what it does. I mean, look at like Sun Sun Titan. Do you think? Right. Do you think Luris would be um like no one would complain about Luris as like a powerful card if it was one white white? I mean, it would definitely be played in a lot fewer decks. So, I mean, to be honest, a lot of the decks where Luris is good, it would still be good. Oh yeah. Uh, it's still Azorius and Soul Boros Burn. Uh, it's it's mostly I think in modern where it's predominantly, quote-unquote, a black card. Well, you couldn't play Aractus Pyromancer anymore. So I think it would have a very big impact in Modern. Yeah, and also not, but they don't always do it. I mean, you see it now, like the rectal sort of mid-rangey lists, they run Bone Crushers and stuff, so they're not even Luris decks. Let's, let's bring back the Rakdos discard with four Waste Knots, and like it plays like Liliana, and then it, like, it, top, it tops out at like one or two Hazret. Because, like, you're going to be empty-handed just like your opponent because you're one-for-wanting them constantly. So, Hazard seems cool. Start a trend, Brad. Bring it back. Um, I mean, Waste Knot is expensive for no good reason, so... Commander, Brad. Um, <laughs> yeah, well, Commander's a fake format. I'm sorry. What? Fake. Whatever. It's not real. Uh, 20, 28th list. Sure, Brad. Just like, uh, just like birds, right? They're just battery powered surveillance drones i love that meme they're not actually real i love that meme so much <laughs> uh 28th place mono red aggro this is legit bar the glory bringers this is just like chonky red basically bungrusher giant goblin chain whirler chandra torch defiance and then just like a red aggro shell you expect swift spear soul scar mage jergo eidolon carry zev Ooh, den of the bugbear you know bringing den of the bugbear bringing ragavon yes bringing ragavon back in uh in pioneer we can't have ragavan as a card but we can have ragavan as a token sure we can sure we can print into standard no <laughs> just okay and watch standard just devolve into mono red okay hold on hold on you if you print ragavan into standard you give you give that standard you give them fatal push in path as well in that same set you're like sure might as well just give them prismatic ending instead okay <laughs> Man, Prismatic Ending would be crazy good in Pioneer too. Uh, not as good as it is in Modern, but it would be a very good card. Um, I don't like the Zergo's uh, the Zergo Bell Striker in this list though. Mm. I'd rather it be the Wayward Beast. I'm not a very big. Fan if you're gonna do a random one of creature, I'd rather be Wayward Beast. It's a it's a three three. Yep, yep. No, no, no. In a deck that goes up to four, I'd do it in a deck that like stays at two, like a like an Atarka Red deck. That's where I think you can run like a Wayward Guide Beast. I think four Chandras. A lot. It is a little excessive, isn't it? I mean, my mono red was those three. I think that feels fine. I do love four down the bug uh, bugbear though. That's sweet. Yeah, very big fan. Because uh, before you would run the castle in that in that spot in this type of mono red, you run the castle, um, uh, the red castle, the pump tree team. Um, and breath. Yeah, I I will keep wanting to call it castle Embercleave because I'm like it's basically the same shit. I mean, yeah. It's where it's where Amber Cleave is from, I believe. So uh, that would make sense. So yeah, uh, but Chain Roar was great. I, I played against. I was testing Boros uh, Hammer in paper the other day, like uh, last week, and um, the my opponent was playing Mono Red. Uh, this basically this type of list, in, uh, in in Pioneer, but no Chandra actually. Um, it topped so instead of Chandra, it ran Hazaret, and it ran uh, Bomat Courier as well as a one drop um so it was a bit more like a traditional mono red aggro and i have all these two ones on the board and like one ones and shit uh 
because I'm like, I can't find my hammer. I'm just trying to go wide at this point. And I'm like, a goblin chain roller would be really good against me right now. He's like, a goblin what? And he, he baited me so hard. He acted like he had no clue what that fucking card was. And then, like, three turns later, he's like, Chain Whirler? I'm like, you son of a bitch. You absolute son of a bitch. Okay, that is... That is... That is great. I love that so much. Like, he literally did, like, the... the <laughs> goblin what? Yeah, he did, like, a double take. He's like, a, a goblin what? I'm like, a, a Chain Whirler. And he's like... And he just kind of did... He did the, the slight head tilt and, like, the squint eye at me. Like, like, like I don't know what that is. So I explained what it is, and he's like, oh, yeah, I guess that'd be good. And they just played it off like nothing. And then he literally played it <laughs> two turns later and swept <laughs> my board. He bluffed me so hard to to overextending. Because I'm like, I guess he doesn't play it. I'll keep playing my one once. <laughs> Fucking got me. I was, I was. That is fantastic. It was a beautiful moment. Um, By the way, Chain Murder also came up. Uh, one card I'll mention from the historic stuff. There's a card that it's, a, it's I think it's a two drop. And it gives a card in your in your hand perpetually gains death touch, which means you just basically put a death touch counter on it, even though it's still in your hand. Just imagine the Rectal's mid-range deck that at one point in the game just randomly whips out the old Plague Wind for three mana. Historic as ninjas. I still don't care. It's the stupid set. I kinda care. That's that's fucking sweet. With ninjutsu. Oh. Also But with only a few left to go, let's finish off the challenge. Um, because we're already over an hour and a half in. Now, sure, in editing it'll get a bit shorter, but whatever. 29th place, Niftalite. Um, no expressive iteration here. Um, pretty stock list, once again. Um, unless I am looking over something. It's got Croxa in the sideboard, which I think is interesting. Because you didn't grind enough yet with your Nif deck. God, casting Croxa in a Nif deck must be, like, hilariously difficult. <laughs> Escape. <laughs> Like, yeah, I'll get there. Once I've got, like, nine lands, I'm sure I can stitch together red, red, black, black. Uh, 30th place, Mono Green Devotion. The Vorinclex version, once again. Seen a bit. 31st place, Mono Green Devotion. And it features three Planeswalkers. But none of them are Karn. It actually features the original Vivian Reed from M19. You know, the card that, like, if my opponent was on the play, like, on the curve, killed my Nicol Bolas, like, a thousand times. That Vivian Reed, which isn't interesting include. It doesn't strike me as powerful as, as the other cards. Also, again, these decks down to like three Nissa, which also surprises me a little bit. But aside from that, fairly stock. Some interesting innovations. Uh, one Field of Ruin for the Book of Exalted Deed stuff. I believe Vivian, original Vivian Reed can find you a land if she pluses. Yeah, so that makes you being able to dig for it. And they're going a little bit lower on the forests. And they're running uh, two copies of Lair of the Hydra, which is a really interesting mana sink in this deck, because you could you can get up to like a billion mana, make your Hydra huge, and then just give it Trample with Vivian, and then there you go. My brain hurts. Um, I I I went to go look at that card you talked about, the which is called Plague's Crafters Familiar, by the way. It's a Death Touch one one rat for two, and it gives a card creature card in hand perpetual. Uh, death touch and i and there's that's when i saw there's more there's they're trickling out more previews and uh that's how i saw the ninja there's two ninjas ingenious infiltrator and the ninja of the deep hours um but then there's a new sarkon um and there's a new sarkon spell called sarkon scorn 
these are exclusive to the client or whatever is one of the exclusive cards. Sargon Scorn is two and a red for an instant. Sargon Scorn deals damage equal to the number of turns you have begun to target creature or planeswalker. So like your turn count as damage. Hmm. So like a late game, you could deal with their late game threat. Imagine if this one face and you're like a control deck, you just run a few, like a few of these, you're like just wait twenty turns. Yeah. Oh yeah, dude. This this is this is your win con for a book deck. You go like like Jeskai book or some shit like control, and you're like turn twenty when they can't win. You're like bolt you for twenty. But why why you don't need another win con with Book of Exalted Deeds? You just wait for them to draw their library and then you this win. is faster. <laughs> this is much faster. True. Um, this takes twenty turns instead of forty. Oh what the fuck to fifty. Sarkon Wanderer to Shiv three and a red for f- and a four loyalty planeswalker. Plus one, dragon cards in your hand perpetually gain this spell costs one less to cast, and you may pay X rather than pay this spell's mana cost, where X is its mana value. Um, so if you have... So you could just dump, play them all for colorless yes. mana. Um, then it has a zero. Zero. Conjure a Shivan dragon card into your hand. <laughs> like, okay. And then minus two. Sarkon Wanderer to Shiv deals five damage to target creature. Shrug. A good card. This is so weird. Don't care about these cards. I'm. I mean, I'm interested. Like, I'm interested in what the cards are like, what they're doing with the design space. Which, I mean, I'm kind of glad that historic is this. I will say it's not for me at this point. I mean, it's like I, I, I am, I am more interested in a spoiler season for an unhinged set, because at least that sometimes like explores design that we'll see in the future. We'll see none of this in paper, like, ever. Yeah. And so, like, a card that does this, like, I don't know. In, in paper, it would give you, like, an emblem that says Dragon Shoe Control cost one less to cast, so that would work around a perpetual thing. But, like, I don't really care. It's just interesting. It's a very interesting design space. And, like, it, it's... I mean, I'm, I'm enjoying reading some of the cards, but, like I said, Historic is no longer for me at this point. Um, they've gone in the direction where, like, I am no longer interested in the... Uh, and the thing that was really fucking loud um i got a phone call and because i'm on my mac it went through my headphones and it was loud as shit like okay i'll, I'll just this this one card i'll just and, and then i'll just stop because i don't care anymore uh also from this tome of the infinite two in a blue legendary artifact blue tap it conjure a random card from tome of infinite's power spellbook into your hand it perpetually gains you may spend mana as though it were mana of any color to cast this spell so this is a mono blue card the list is Light of Hope, Swords to Plowshares, Four Spike, Ponder, Dark Ritual, Duress, Assault Strobe, Lightning Bolts, Fog, and Giant Growth. Just just talk about a color pie break here. Yeah. At random. You're playing your mono blue deck, your opponent has an enchantment out, and you just spin the wheel hoping that you get a Light of Hope. Like, this is Hearthstone. This is just Hearthstone. Like, we've had this shit in Hearthstone for years now. If you want this shit, play Hearthstone, right? Like, Hearthstone also did it better because Hearthstone has Discover, right? If you go wild, just go wild. And then you might as well just... In Hearthstone, you can sometimes conjure random cards in the game. But what I hate about these cards, it says, from the list. The fuck am I supposed to know this entire list? The Devriel cards with the conditions and like offerings is like a flyer. 
right? You buy, you get your card and you get a flyer with it. It's like, this is all it does. It doesn't fit on one card. We couldn't fit it on five cards if we wanted to. So just read it here. Really not, really not for me. But that's why we're talking about Pioneer instead, which is actually paper format and is way better than Historic, in my opinion. If you like Historic, if you like all this card design and you don't like me shitting on it, I'm sorry. Enjoy what you enjoy, but I hate it. Um, rounding off the challenges, because we finally stopped with one deck to go, and that last deck is um, Spirits. Bad Spirits. All right. Nothing, uh, nothing too exciting. We're out here. Um... So, still got two subjects to cover, unless something else comes up and the world randomly ends in magic news halfway through this recording. Um, I do want to talk a little bit. Brad, have you had a lot of experience after night we've been playing for, like, it's been out for a week now, roughly, officially, the set? Uh, actually, a little bit less. Only, like, five days or something. What's your experience now playing with Adventures in Forgotten Realms? There like some decks you've had that you've like really enjoyed or decks you've played against that you thought were really cool? So I've been playing a lot at an LGS. Um, and I've actually... I mean, first of all, I got to play Draft, which was really cool. Um, I got to Draft with 26 people was the amount of people there. Um, so they had... How's the Draft format? Like the dice rolling and stuff. Is it like really cool and exciting? or It's so fucking... So, okay, my, two people in my pod... While we're so we had three pods, right? Um, yeah. What the fuck? Hold on, I just got a text from someone that says, "I wish you all the best" with no context. Uh, I don't know who this is. That's a bit ominous. Oh, it's a, it's an old teacher. Okay, that makes makes way more sense. Okay, okay. <sighs> I was like, I because it it so I have his contact saved in my phone, but the 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 connectivity of like apple the contact isn't saved on icloud it's only saved on my phone itself so the contact comes through on my mac when i got the text as a phone number and not the contact name i don't recognize a 401 number and it just says i wish you all the best and i'm just like um <laughs> anyway so draft is super cool um there's two guys in my pod that were like while we were drafting one guy was like really bummed and he's like, this is an awful set to draft and like, just like just an aura of negativity um, at all times. <clears throat> and I'm sitting there going like, what do you mean? This is so much, this is fucking amazing. Do you know why it's amazing? Because I can draft in a competent way and understand, you know, how to do it, I guess. Also, everyone passed white and I was like, Thank you. I'll play Ingenious Smith. I'll play a bunch of artifact equipments. I'll play Portable Hole. I'll play the fucking uh, the Dwarf Lore boy that draws a card and gains you a life. I'll play Hand of Vecna, by the way. The fact that I got past Hand of, pa Hand of Vecna, pack two, pick four, was insane. My pod was dumb. The people in my pod were dumb. <laughs> you do not pass colorless equipment that's just solid three times. It's fucking insane. Also, I picked up two lands, or two man lands. I got the blue one and the green one. Cut the blue one because I went uh, white splash green. My first, my first pack was uh, the uh, the elf, the venture elf, and then pick two was the like. 
pack one, pick two got passed to me was the green manland, the the fucking the hydra. I'm just like, oh, why are you passing this? Well, I don't know what their first pick was. I I don't know either. Maybe it was the landed foil. <laughs> it was the and it was the module. It was really cool looking. So the format's really fun. The dice rolling is cool. Um, someone in uh, someone in wasn't in my pod. It was in a different pod. But someone actually drafted the the red rare that um the one that's like when you roll you roll roll yeah. again and they they had uh two of the fairy girl the blue one so they had the combo unlimited like the the potentially go infinite combo there's a dice rolling combo that's in standard right now um let me pull it up is it the one that gives you advantage it ignores the rolls or whatever and it keeps and then it makes a one one fairy every time you get a certain roll um, and then for and for each time you each time a fairy enters a battlefield, you roll again. I mean, I'll pull it up. I am okay. So extremely confused. <clears throat> so there is a blue card in D and D. Let me find her. Get yeah, the one that gives you advantage, right? No, it's Feywild Trickster. Whenever you roll one dice or more dice, create a one-one blue fairy dragon cre- uh, creature token with flying. She's a three mana two-two. You combine her. You have her on board, and then you have. Delina Wild Mage. Whenever um, Delina Wild Mage attacks, target creature control or choose target creature control, then roll d twenty one through fourteen. Create a tapped and attacking token that is a copy of that creature, except it's not legendary and has to exile this creature into combat. And then fifteen through twenty, create one of those tokens. Roll again. So you get that out. You start rolling, and the more you. Uh, the, you end up rolling more and more. Yeah, at one point, at one point, you're rolling like eight dice, and only one of them has to be a fifteen or higher. Yes. Yeah, so it's like non-deterministic twin. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, super cool. Um, but the set is a lot of fun. Um, I think white is very good in this set. I think it's very good. Um, I saw a lot of people drafting. Uh, I saw a decent amount of gruel. Um, which is you know people do that in pretty much every limited. They try and get gruel. Uh, Rakdos seems pretty cool. Um, I think Mono Black is interesting when you go into the treasure idea. Um, okay, Rakdos, Rakdos treasure is a genuine thing in this set. Like if you get, um, what's her what's her name, the uh, the painter, uh, Kalane. You go, you get Kalane. You get the better sailor of Dank memes, which is the black one. That's the exact same thing. It's three uh, three mana. It's two and a black for a one four. Dwarf Citizen enters the battlefield, make a treasure, but it has the added ability of you can pay one in a black, sacrifice another creature or a treasure, and draw a card. So it's just Sailor of Memes with upside, um, which is, you know, Sailor of Means from Ixalan. It's a two and a blue, one four, uh, make a treasure enters. Um, you get Power Word Kill for nice removal. Um, Deadly Dispute is a phenomenal card. It's a fucking common. So Deadly Dispute is. The it's uh the old um it's a uh, something prize or whatever mix one it's two mana instant one in a black as an additional cost to cast the spell sacrifice an artifact to a creature draw two cards make a treasure yeah it's it's basically village rights except you bank one you spend an extra mana but you do get to bank that yeah as a treasure and you can just sack a treasure and then make your treasure again it's it's nice um yeah this set alone is one of the most fun limited sets I've had um, because it's just, it's just interesting. Um, 
and the bombs can either be the bombiest of bombs, like literally any of the dragons. Um, and I guess uh, the Tarask, even though we shit on that card during spoiler, that's a, it's a great limited card, of course. Um, but then there are some cards that are just not good bombs and they're tricks. Flame Skull is one of them. Um, Demi-Witch is one of them. The Book is another one. Um, you know, stuff like that. So, Dragon Turtle is a limited all-star, but apparently is also good in Constructed. But, speaking of Constructed, I've been playing with, um, you know, Boros Hammer. You've played against me with it. Um, that runs four Fighter Class and to tutor out Hammer. Um, that deck is genuinely scary. Um, like, how many times did I kill... How many times did I deal uh, 14 damage on turn two against you when we played? Well, I, th I think you got to do it actually on turn two in one of our games. But I do remember we had another game. So I played against it with Elves, and I played against it with Control. Because I was, I was honestly thinking, like, as Control, like, this, this, has, this matchup has to be, like, super easy, right? And it wasn't... It honestly wasn't a very hard matchup, except in one of the games, you just went, you just caught me off guard. Like, I just didn't have a removal spell at one point. I immediately went, Fireblade Charger, Hammer, hit you. You lose. Because even though I wasn't dead, I couldn't kill it, because then I'd be dead. So I had to find a Shadow's Verdict, or I was dead. And I didn't find it, so lost to a one drop and and that game was a little bit more grindy because like i even got luris down i got a thing back with luris and you just kept killing everything and then i'm like okay and then here's the, here's the, the one goblin. the fireblade charger stuck through yeah that got me that's such a good card also because it got haste out of nowhere obviously yeah so just play it sure well is it Resol like resolute, resolute strike? strike you should know it was your number five in zendikar or ten because we had top oh my god when, when we still have <clears throat> top 10 um yeah um fire class is really cool i i've seen bard class in person um someone has it built at the lgs i go to um so it's super fun i want to build it i want to build it yeah, I want to build it really bad, but the deck is super expensive in paper, especially because of Mox Amber, but you have them. I have literally everything the deck uh, needs. I don't have any... I have one Stomping Grounds in an EDH deck. Aside from that, I have none of the lands. I have no Mox Ambers. Zero. Um, I don't have a Ronus. I don't have any of the Walkers. Granted, most of those aren't very expensive. Um, I have a foil of Viapashiri. And that's it. <laughs> it's about as far as I get with the deck. So I have all the lands. I have all the pathways. I have all the uh, the, the checks and summon grounds. I have Othanissa. I, I have four Othanissa. I have four Mox Amber. I have, I have Domri's. I have both Domri's. I have a playset of the Warless Spark and the um, other one from uh, Ravnik Allegiance. Um, I have two Clothis. I have, um, have Zergos. Have Gigantha. I just I would need to pick up a Ronus because I don't have any of those. And Sanagos, I have an Arwen cord. I have the uh, Return to the Vault Arwen cord or whatever, or from from the Vault, yeah. Um, and then just the and then Burgie, Burgie is not the cheapest thing. It's twenty four bucks for a playset. So like I'm 
I'm a little bit. I'm definitely close. Also, I have bar glass. I picked up those because I expect that to go up. Oh, sweet. Yeah, that makes sense. Got them in the mail today. Um, yeah, that deck's super cool. I don't think there's really much else um, in D&D that's really going off with the... I haven't played against book yet. Um, no, me neither. I was, I was set up to play against the person in our Discord who has book, but they had something come up, so I couldn't yet, but I definitely will soon. I'm sure. I'm pretty sure I've probably gotten like some games in before we do our next recording. I hope so, because you know I've been talking a little bit of crap about the book and saying that it's probably not as good as people think it is. But I don't have any experience against it, so maybe I just get my ass handed to me, and that'll change my mind. But I still want to play uh, Vecna, Good Pioneer. I want to try it. Um, I just want to play Mono Black Devotion with Book of Val Darkness and uh run it with i am very sad that book of vile darkness and i completely understand why but book of vile darkness only triggers on your end step rather than each end step yep now that makes sense because otherwise your opponent would attack you for two and it gives you a zombie which would be incredibly frustrating to play against but i was really wanted to be able to trigger it with um argos bloodfast what i was thinking of instead of eye of vecna because you don't really you have to do that in your upkeep which is a little bit annoying i wish i could do it with uh argos Bloodfast. so it should have either i wish it said like at the end step if you i don't know how exactly to say this but like that you lost at least two life through your own card effects or something like that so that you could try and trigger it on both turns like i remember this with i think it was famished paladin was a card from Ixalan, and it was a two mana one two. It was one and a white, and it gained a counter at the beginning of each upkeep if you lost life last turn. And I used that with the deserts from Amonkhet. So if my opponent didn't attack me, I would ping myself for one, and would make the paladin grow that way. And I was really hoping to be able to pull something like that off with the book in like a mono black devotion shell, but. Sadly, that interaction doesn't really work out, and I just think just adding the book to Mono Black Devotion isn't suddenly going to make it a good deck. Yeah, probably not. Um, I will say the box promo or buy box promo, the Vorpal Sword, is a uh, is nice looking. That's really sweet. I got one of those. Now, for decks, so any other decks you've played against or um that run anything new, um. I played against some stuff that runs Portable Hole because they can now. Um, that card's good. But other than that, I don't think so. I don't think there's any other deck that I've gone against where I'm like, fuck, there's a new card. Um, I am... Um, yeah, that's it. I played against Azorius and Soul. Oh, nice. Um, which is really sweet with the Ingenious Smith mm -hmm. and um, and obviously the Blackstaff. That one even run the, the Silver Raven. The one mana one one when it enters scry one. Yeah. Wasn't terribly impressed with that card. I mean, it was like, yeah, it's an evasive flyer. It's like cool. Ornithopter would have done that too. But the rest of that was pretty sweet. Also, this person also oh, and actually they played Esper. So they wanted Thoughtseize, Fatal Push. Um they ran Rogue class, which as predicted, I was thoroughly unimpressed by. Uh, but they were just trying it out and they were I think they were also kind of like not sure about this. 
um, was funny because I was at a low life total and I was very worried about the level two where your creatures get menace because I was on blocking duty <laughs> against yeah. some cards. Like, oh no, if he if he spends five mana to give this card menace, I might be in trouble. <laughs> um, and personally, I I haven't played with as many new cards. One, I had some things come in the mail. I have the Cave of the Frost Dragons for mono white aggro. Uh, well, uh, uh, of aggro with the humans. Uh, heard from Tyrant on the server, who's like really happy with the uh, Triumphant Adventurer. It's called. The white and a black for a 1-1 death touch that has first strike on your turn. Oh, yeah. And whenever it attacks, you delve into the dungeon. He said, like, yeah, I run a place out of those and I basically just ran a couple of dungeons with just those cards. Um, so that was pretty cool. Well, you don't have to run any dungeons. You just, like, because technically, like, you just have them. Like, they're, they're like one of those things that are always available. Yeah, yeah, I mean, but, like, you were, you were going through a couple of dungeons. I did actually, I don't have, I haven't ordered those yet. I don't have any of the adventure cards but i have been mindful enough to already buy one of every dungeon just before i forget yeah i i already i i just pulled one of each through my drafting and like buying a box so um and aside from that so i have that i have the shambling ghast to be able to build the liliana infinite damage zombie deck i don't see a big reason to build it over um just rally because mm-hmm. that also just one shots your opponent and allows you for more value plays because shambling guest is just a terrible card by itself but might be cute uh so i did buy them just just to have them when i want to build it you know what i kind of want to try and yeah can we make skeletal swarming work that's like a five mana enchantment right yeah no <laughs> but you make you can put if you build it right you can make two skeletons every turn i mean maybe eventually you can swarm your opponent no pun literally not intended hey, that's the name of the card yeah i wasn't even intending to do that <laughs> <laughs> i mean i don't think that card is very good i wish the uh the golgari elf which is randomly a four drop that lets like draws cards and stuff and makes creatures like Oh, this creature must be blocked, that sort of stuff. I really wish that card was, like, not four mana. Um, but speaking of elves, I have been, if people are following on my Twitter, they know, I've been playing a lot of elves with Circle of Dreams Druid, and I am so impressed with that card. Like, I was saying, like, I think I feel like this card is, like, 75% of an Arch Druid. This is, like, 90% of an Arch Druid. Like, this card is really good. I've had multiple games, which just, I had no, no business winning. But Coco on end step, hit a circle of dreams, drew it, and literally something else. Yeah. And I untap, play some elves, tap the circle of dreams, drew it, make a billion mana, do with it what you want. Uh, activate Elvish Clan Caller, pump with, uh, I, I have... I now win most of my games by activating Elvish Warmaster, which is not a thing I thought I'd be doing before I got this card. Um, I had a couple of games. I remember one game where I think I cocoed into double... I had like a pretty reasonable board and I cocoed on end step into double Circle of Dreams Druid, untapped, tapped both of them for a total of 28 mana and activate my Warmaster four times. And like that sort of thing. Yeah. Oh, all my elves have plus eight, plus eight. Don't worry about it. 
really incredible. Um, Hydra's Lair is in the deck now. Um, yep. Was inspired by Claudio's list. Uh, I'm trying Ranger class in the sideboard. Um, I have a place with that. Which I know I talked about last week. Thing like, don't know what to make of this card. Um, so I'm trying it. I saw Claudio's logic. I really like that. Being able to fight through sweepers and Skemfar Avenger doesn't fill that role because a lot of sweepers exile that are popular. Uh, Extinction Event, Shadow's Verdict, Anger of the Gods, they all exile, so Skemfar Avenger doesn't do much. Um, so ended up cutting that card and now trying a Ranger's class. Also works really well in tandem with, um, with the Circle of Dreams through it because I was playing against Niv and I was really worried I was going to lose to a board wipe and I didn't have lethal. So instead, I tapped the Circle of Dreams through it for an obscene amount of mana, played a Ranger class, immediately leveled it up to three. And I was like, even if I get board wipe now, my comeback is ready. Yeah. Right? I, do, I don't have to like skip a turn doing something or naturally draw into some stuff. It's like, no, this thing's now online. I'm sweeper proof. And if you sweep me up, I'm just going to fill my board again in one turn. So that was kind of sweet too. So I've been super happy playing that deck. It's also just been unbelievably fun because I've really, from playing modern elves, I have really missed the sort of cheating aspect of elves. Like, I think elves is a cool deck aesthetically. I don't know, I, I just think elves are cool. And I really like them gameplay-wise with, like, this, like, having way more mana than you're supposed to have. And that's just a thing we didn't have in Pioneer for Elves, and now we do, and it just feels awesome. Right? That idea of that game I just said, where it's like, oh, yeah, I'm just going to tap these two cards for a total of 28 mana and then do whatever the hell I want with it was super, super satisfying and really fun way to just play this deck now that you couldn't before. I would like to point one thing out. This might be my favorite flavor text ever. I don't get the opportunity to look at flavor text that often. And I always forget to with new sets. But I've been trying to do that a bit more. Alex, have you seen Lurking Roper? No. It's an uncommon three mana four five for a horror. Doesn't untap during untap step. Oh, it's the tree. Whenever you gain life, untap Lurking Roper. The flavor text is phenomenal. You see, stalactites grow down from the ceiling, while stalagmites reach. Ah! <laughs> yeah, that is really cool. I, I thought it was a tree. It's a rock. It is a rock. It's amazing. It's a great. It's a great, great card for flavor text. I love it. <laughs> that is really cool. There's also some combos to make with this card. Kind of cool. Um, one of my like another one is what's the Simic counterspell? It's a three mana counter spell where it's like the flavor text is um it's like it's something and then it's like getting like slimed in the face. It was on the secret lair. Um oh my god, what is it? Simic counter spell. There's not many. There's the one that's disallow. And there's plasm capture. It's a three mana one. Is that the flavor? And it's it's uh it's like one it's like one green double blue, I think. Um it's from like the ooze secret lair, the prime slime. And then there's Snare Slime. Oh, no, wait. That's also four mana. Also, is this a custom card? Oh, this is a custom card. It, it, it reused art, so I thought it was... It's Void Slime. <laughs> Cyclonic River. <laughs> <Yeah. laughs> okay, that is cool. I that's like another that. one. Oh, I was right. The, the card I just named, that was like the custom card, just reused Void Slime's art. 
that's why I was confused. Um, the original uh, flavor text. Yeah, I should look at flavor text for more. Void Slime. Says it is technically an ooze, but its lifespan measures only seconds. In that short time, its appetite for magic is extraordinary, and it shows someone like wrapped up in like ooze. It's kind of cool. But yeah, I, I love the <laughs> Alex. <laughs> There's a picture that says Netflix. Are you still watching? Someone's daughter, and it's the art from the Secret Lair of Void Slime. <laughs> Oh. <laughs> oh no it's <laughs> a good one it's a very good one so i think for the uh for the closing st- uh, closing part we will have a look at the mailbag so uh we've got a couple questions uh i'll start off with one it's not the first one in line but just a correction from last week so tyrant which i mentioned earlier um says, listening to the podcast, this was the recording from not last week, but the week before, Heartless Act does hit Shark Typhoon tokens. It just makes a token that is X big. It doesn't actually put counters on it. So that's just a little correction. Um, People always track the size of Shark Typhoon with dice. So in my head, it's like, oh yeah, it's a 0-0 with counters on it, but it's not. Would have actually been cool in that format because the Ozolith is a card there. But anyway, so quick correction out of the way. You are right, uh, Tyrant. Um, and I have probably lost games because of that. So now I know for the future. So we've got a question by Sean B. And I think this one is super interesting, but it's it's a little bit long, but I'll, I'll read it out and then I'll sort of summarize it. We are at the point where we need inconsequential enter the battlefield effects on powerful engine cards in order to... Ba- uh, well, he says, oh, are we at the point? No, we are. Are we at the point where we need inconsequential ETBs on powerful engine cards in order to balance them for interactive counterplay. For example, Omlath was changed, this is on the arena event, to have a scry 1 on entry, which is fairly low impact, but as we all know, the best time to kill an Omlath is before your opponent resolves the ETB. Imagine Fires of Invention with a scry 1 effect on entry. This means you're able to counterplay the enchantment outside of blue before your opponent gets the benefit, since you can disenchant the card before your opponent gets a free spell, assuming they don't have instance. What would you think of an evergreen tree word that creates an ETB on entry as a trade-off for powerful passive effects on the card? So what he's basically saying here is, when you... How priority works in Magic is if your opponent has a Fires of... Let's say they go Fires of Invention. They say, Fires? And you're like, you're not playing blue. So you're like, okay, Resolves. It's on the battlefield, and they immediately get priority, and they can now cast things that you can cast at sorcery speed, like a Planeswalker of their Fires of Invention. If Fires of Invention would say ETB Scry 1, you they would go Fires of Invention, you're not playing blue, you're like, okay, resolves, it enters, and immediately a Scry goes on the stack, meaning they couldn't play a Planeswalker. With this scry on the stack, you would be able to disenchant the Fires of Invention so they don't get value out of it, aside from the scry. So that adds an interaction point to cards like this. Also with Omnath, Omnath enters the battlefield, gets a trigger. If you now kill it, your opponent doesn't get to play a Fabled Passage and crack it because of how priority works. So should we get a keyword that basically boils down to ETB 
fireworks just to give someone an, a, a chance to respond. Yeah, like a, a, an, e, it, yeah, an ETB that doesn't actually do anything. It's just like it, it, it creates something on the stack for a response. I don't know how you would do that. Um, uh, yeah, I don't know how you would do that for... Um, yeah, I, I've also been for this. wrapping my brain around... Because this question was asked a couple of days ago. Been wrapping my brain around... What do you... Because it's very unintuitive for new players if there would be a keyword that basically says do nothing. Because then you're like, why is that even there? Right? If you're a new player. So it reads very unintuitively. Now, we could solve this. Like, the, the, the easiest one is just to slap on gain one life. But that's also going to look super out of place and be really weird. If, like, you get a bunch of life off of all these random cards. But I could see, like, hey, maybe we can actually make engine cards worse by slapping a scry on them. And I could see that being a, like, legit thing where we start slapping a bunch of scries on them because I feel like scry is, like, the least out-of-place-looking thing that you can, like, very easily put on any card. But that obviously, in the situation where your opponent doesn't have the disenchant for your fires, makes fires an even better card. So, I think I think this is super interesting, and an angle I didn't really think about, but I, I would love it if they find out a way to do this. Because I think it actually allows more pushed engine cards to exist when they have interaction points. For example, what if Teferi, three to three fairy, would have actually somehow given you a window to kill it after your opponent plays it? That would have been super cool. And would have made the card like more interactive. Um might stop cards like this from being banned. Obviously, we do have it with Wilderness Reclamation, where you had that opportunity and it was still too powerful. So I don't know if this would do enough, but I think it is super good design if they're going to be able to figure this out. Maybe just by slapping Scry on everything. Maybe by actually creating an ETB that effectively doesn't do anything. But I wouldn't know how that would look. Because I think from a player perspective like um you and i um yeah i think uh you know brad which is to stop me to not interrupt my monologuing so like admission when this permanent enters a battlefield it creates an effect on the stack i think this reads well for established players they will understand why it's there or they would quickly understand if this was on fires of invention and someone would be like why is that on it's like it's so you can disenchant it before they can do anything with it I'd be like, oh yeah no that makes sense but i think there needs to be a way for new players to understand it and i think that's gonna be hard if the keyword doesn't do anything don't know if you have any other thoughts on this brad when i'm trying to think of another way to word it so uh when this permanent enters the battlefield what if it's something mundane? 
like uh, when this permanent enters the battlefield, you may look at uh, at a card in your sideboard. Because we have a card that says you may look at the top card of your opponent's library or something like that. We have cards where you just like you may look at something. Like Rogue Class says that, right? Yeah, it it could say something like you may look at the top card of your library. Um, the only thing that I think is strange about, I mean. It is information that you can use to plan out the rest of your turn. So it is right that it's not... Well, no, no, not, 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 not your library, your sideboard. But that's weird because you can look at your sideboard at any yes, time. Yes, but this is an effect that states do it now. Yeah, but that is kind of weird. Pick up your deck and look at your sideboard. And it's like, I'm allowed to do this. I mean, it's weird. It's weird that Road Class... It's weird that Road Class says uh, the exile card, you can just look at it. Cool. Hi. <laughs> hello, hello, exiled card. Um, what if... Uh... Yeah, but that's because it gets exiled face down, right? So then it makes sense mm -hmm. that it spe specifies that you can look at it. Um... I mean, I wouldn't mind if... Well, a, a keyword makes sense, but I think it's also just a thing you can keep in mind just when these cards get designed, right? Slapping on mundane effects... Because let's be honest, we we don't get seven fires of inventions every set. Like, thank heavens we don't. So for the occasional card that we get, just purposely giving them mundane ETBs might just be enough. Yeah. Right. Like you, because you you probably need to flavor it after the color the card is. Right. A a white card could give you a bunch of life. Right. Like, I don't know, enters, gain two life. Yeah, that's white. Uh, a green card could could give you a... I mean, this would actually be pretty good, but like gives you an 01 plant. Right? That, that's the thing a green card does. Right? Blue gives you a scry, or if you want to make it worse, just look at the... You may look at the top card of your library this turn. Right? Something like that. So, yeah. I mean, should they keyword it? I doubt it should be keyworded in that way. Because then you do need to find a mundane effect that universally applies to everything. Because if the effect isn't the same every time, why would it have to be keyworded? Just say when it enters the battlefield. Yeah. But it is something I would like to see because I, it just opens up very interesting counterplay without telling people like, yeah, how do I counter this? It's like play blue because that's a boring answer that a lot of people don't want to hear. Hmm. So I don't know if you have any final thoughts on this. Before we, uh, no, I'm just really, I'm really struck when I try and think of like a way to do it in an evergreen way. Like, what if I don't, I don't think you have I to, I know, but I kind of want to now because it's like a challenge. <laughs> um, on. no, I, I, I just can imagine just as this buff of is there, is there a keyword to look at the bottom card of your library? No, make one, and that's that's it, that's it, yeah. But, but I, but it just feels, it feels like such a random game action. It's like, oh, yeah, you've got this card you can look at the bottom card of your library like nothing about it makes sense and then i feel like just flavor something mundane based on whatever color this card is in i think that makes more sense than having a really weird game action like looking at the bottom card of your library what if what if it says uh uh it's like uh, where you look at like the middle card of your library and you can scry it. The middle card. The exact middle card. Are you designing a card for Historic Horizons? Because <laughs> that sounds like a very much, please don't do this in paper type of thing. We have Pyramid of the Abyss. 
I've been playing a lot of Lotus. I can do it. Yeah, but that is draw half your library instead of take 30 seconds to perform a scry. Okay, what if it's just like look at Okay, what if it's just look at the bottom card of your library, you may scry it. Put on you can but it's you can put it on the top. You may put it on top. Yeah. I mean, it's still weird that that would be on Omnath and Fires of Invention would both have that effect. Like what do these cards have in common that they have that red. rather than except for they need filler. Red. <laughs> They're both red. <laughs> oh yeah, it's very red. You know, like if you scry a card to the bottom and you regret it, right? Fixing something that you've regretted in the past is a very red thing to do, I guess. And now it enters on a green card. What do we do now? Um, you you gain life, of course. No, like like what do Wilderness Reclamation and Fires of Invention have in color, uh, in common flavor-wise? Uh, they're both four-man enchantments that do things that are inherently broken in the game of Magic. I said flavor-wise. That's pretty flavorful, if you ask me. <laughs> <laughs> So thank you very much, Sean, for the question, because I, I really enjoyed thinking about this one and sort of trying to wrap my brain around it. Uh, then we had Tyrant's Correction. Then we had Tyrant linking the Pioneer Horizon. Uh, sorry, Pioneer Horizons. Please no. Historic Horizons thing saying, uh, well, we know why Pioneer was put off now. And then just linking to that, which is like, yeah, basically. And then we have a question from Bridger, also an elk. Have you changed your mind about Book of Exalted Deeds now that it is popping up a ton? No. Um, I mean, we, we talked about this in length, I think, last week. Obviously, again, there's we're a bit behind in our editing, so that's why we have this question. But we talked about it last week. It popped up. I talked about it just a bit. I, I will say, like I said last week, I gave the card... I definitely underrated the card but I still feel like it is overrated in its current form. I don't think it's that good, but I expected it to be shit. And it's not shit. It is a respectable card of a respectable power level. So in that way, I have changed my mind, but I still don't think it's... I think there's plenty of counterplay running around for this to not be, like, a mainstay. Yeah. Um, I, like I said before, I thought the overrated aspect of it when we did the top five was just the combo itself in the sense that it is easily interactable and you have to put a lot of resources into doing it. Um, and now that we're seeing the meta adjust accordingly, playing more field of ruins, um, you know, cleansing wildfire, things like that, it's easily hated out, but it has the Lotus effect, right? Or the dredge effect where like a month from now and people stop running, you know, main deck, uh, field of ruins or like wild, uh, wildfires. You just randomly show up to an event with, you know, book and people are like, Oh, Oh shit. I can't deal with that. And then you lose. So like, you know, that's the place it has. And I think that's fine. It's fine. Well, I think that wraps up the mill bag. Yes. So thanks everyone for dropping the questions in. We will try and stay more up to date with the mailbag from now on. And unless there's any topics you want to talk about, Brad, I think that wraps up this episode. Yeah, should. Um, don't think I have anything else. Yeah, I I got nothing. Unless you want to talk about Manscaped again. No. Oh, okay. Well, you know, tried. So, reminders out the door. We are the official podcast of the Play Discord server. If you want to hop in, play some paper magic with us, uh, and, uh, you know, 
even though LGSs are opening up again, not everyone has an LGS immediately available to them, or they don't have an LGS immediately available that is a Magic or Pioneer or whatever format you you know you fancy uh, having that type of LGS. For example, the LGS I would go to a lot is predominantly a Yu-Gi-Oh! and Pokemon LGS. It's like virtually no magic there. So, you know, happens. We also have social media. Uh, Alex, you have a thing on Twitter? Yes, you can find me on at Disciple of Bolas. And you can find me at Bradsford. You can find the official uh, playing away, or yeah, come play away is the uh, Twitter account for the server. And there's also the uh, podcast Twitter, which is at Pyre Perspective. And you can even follow us on Twitch at Playing Away or at Bradsifer. And eventually Alex might be on there as well. We have other podcasts. We're the Pioneer Perspective. We have our sister podcast, Pondering Popper, with Diego and Callie Guys. We also have merch, Pyre Perspective Playmats, as well as uh, a uh, Playing Away Playmats, which is on Ink Gaming. There are two links available in the description. The first one is going to be a direct link to the store where you can get official merch for us. The other link is just if you want to find cool stuff in gaming in general and use that link, it still adds some proceeds to us and helps out the uh, the show. And of course, we love you. We thank you for the support and uh, all that good stuff. Like Alex said earlier um, about our us finding out that uh, the come back to Pioneer. Welcome back to Pioneer. Yeah, welcome back to Pioneer, not come back. I mean, yeah, yeah, that too. If you left Pioneer, hey, come back. It's, it's fun now. Um, <laughs> but uh yeah, that, that was our most listened to episode. It's one of our most well-received episodes. Um, so we're happy to have that. Um, it's just, it's great. We, we can't we can't do this without you guys. Um, and I know I say that every week, but it's true. Uh, but until next week, bye-bye. Bye-bye, everybody. Bye-bye.